0: Welcome back to Beerfield. I am your host at Hot BFF with Two Piece. As always, joined by my esteemed, lovely, almost done with his retail job, so we don't have to do these late as hell at night, co host Ann Thurry.
1: What's up, everybody? Yeah, one day left at Benny's, and then I get to go on and start my career for distilled brewing as a sales rep. So, I get the. Actually, go back to kind of like a nine to five job, except it's my own schedule, and I get to drive a shit ton, and he gets to see me more. Festivals, I'll get to see Chris more, and we get to. It... open up a lot more doors, and you guys get to hear some, you know, some cool, some more, some more interesting conversations around beer, and I traveled.
0: His actual favorite part of that, though, is that he gets to see me more. Don't let him that fool is you.
1: Probably the biggest benefit is I get to, I get to see you.
0: Uh, at FF on Twitter, uh, if that's how you want to interact with us, Beerfield Fantasy Football on YouTube, uh, all of our shows live, ask questions live, like, subscribe, hit the notification icon. Um, <clears throat> we got a solid show for you here today. It's finally draft season, so um, we're super excited about that. Draft season is one of our favorite seasons, so um, as always, we will be live streaming the first round um, on our YouTube channel only, so won't be a show that week. Um, there'll just be the, the YouTube live stream of the first round. We'll get really drunk. We'll have a bunch of people come in. It'll be a good time. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube, like at the notification icon and come hang out with us for NFL draft night. Uh, today we're going to be talking quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, we're going to be doing it in round table fashion, which means that to have a round table, you gotta have more opinions than just Dan and mine. So we have two uh, guests that we're super excited for. Um, we have Sam Wagman uh he's a writer for fourth and john a contributor at the fourteen p underscore pod and host of at the f f sh- the show f f sorry I totally screwed that up. hype your own stuff it's easier when you do that what's up sam uh
2: what's going on chris dan how you guys doing tonight
0: i'm good in the dream yeah. i'm I'm making it we're surviving a little bit of a scratchy throat that's the other reason dan's gonna run allergies have been kicking my ass for the last couple of days so
2: I'm I'm excited you know uh draft season's one of my favorite times of the year gives me a chance to uh you know kind of dig into everything and this is really the first first year I've really done more than the surface level so uh you know getting to know those guys outside of the top three or four has been great for me and it really helps me improve my knowledge of the game because you know just getting deeper and deeper into the sport that you know obviously fantasy football is not just all about the top guys it's about all the surface guys or the under the surface guys as well so uh i really just enjoy it and you know quarterbacks and running backs are some of my two of my uh my best that you know i know so i'm really just happy to be here and everything
0: Perfect. Uh, awesome yeah we're happy to have you and we love we love draft season because you get to plant your flags on guys and then a year you get bragging rights or you get to make fun of yourself and it's fun either way um absolutely Perhaps even more exciting. It's been way too long since we've done an episode with this guy. Um, From the Superflex show and Superflex City and DLF football and probably a hair care commercial or two, we have John Hogue with us. John, hello. No
3: hair care commercials yet. I'm I'm still working on that one. Um, Working my way
0: up the body, I guess. But uh
3: got, <laughs> I I finally make it make it onto the the beer field podcast. Oh, it's the been long, too long. It's a crowning longest... achievement
0: of his fantasy football career. He'll tell. I'm sure that's what he'll tell you after this.
3: Yeah, <laughs> there's a long and storied tradition of SuperFlex Super Show hosts making it onto uh, the beer field podcast, and finally, my name comes up. Well, I I got to meet you guys in Canton. Yep, two of my favorite dudes in this industry. And uh, but I told you then I kind of had a feeling that the reason I I hadn't been on yet was because I can't have gluten, which is a very uh, makes it makes it kind of tough to
0: well to drink. So fun fact, we we started doing more than just beer here a year or so ago, too. So, I mean, yeah, it's whatever can you gluten free beer, though. So awesome. I, I, yes. I
4: won't,
1: I won't give great. it away. yet. I'm, I'm so proud of you. And, and like, <laughs> it's going to taste like crap, but whatever. I have no, I have no, I like, I have no, no clue why it took us this long to get you on. Like,
0: it's just one of those things we had, yeah. we, we try to rotate I mean, through and we just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but Canton was fun. Are you going to, are you going to be there again this year? Man, I, I don't know. I don't Even really just tried. like to hang out. I mean, man, we're definitely we, going to be there.
2: I booked. Yeah. A, I booked my tick. I booked my ticket in my hotel. I just haven't booked the uh, the plane ride yet. But I'm. I haven't booked the ho- coming. I haven't
0: We're booked the good. hotel yet. I we, yeah, <laughs> we I, booked the booth. I can't
2: wait. Honestly, I can't <laughs> wait. Honestly, it sounds fun. It sounds it's a, fun as dude, it, it it's, is it's such a blast. great
1: time. It is fun. Yeah, we've
2: been to multiple. So
1: we went to Dallas. The one in Dallas or the one in Fort Worth, <laughs> a few years ago, and then uh, two years ago we went to uh, to Bob. So. Uh, the exponents, obviously, where we met John for the first time in person. But
0: we're gonna try to get people other than just the fantasy headliners on onto, a, onto an in-person show. It seems like it's been them every time, which is <laughs> awesome. We <laughs> love Ki- we love now. Kyle and Jake, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make that a we'll bigger show. On. We'll yeah. get more on for sure. We'll Absolutely. All right. Well, you heard John mention it. We got beer, so let's talk about beer what's fueling beer field dan why don't you go ahead and start and set the crown example for how you intro beer
1: all right i am drinking (laughs) sunless sea from jackie o sunless sea is a double stout brewed with lactose and brown sugar aged in american whiskey barrels or whiskey casts for 19 months it's also conditioned on a bit of vanilla beans, almonds, uh, cardamom, cinnamon, and uh, coriander.
0: Was that an intentional throwback to Canton because John's here? Because that's the first time I had Jackie O's is when we were in Canton. We picked it up at that uh, grocery store.
1: Well, We'll call it just a happy coincidence. We actually got this in today at work, and uh, it's expensive. But I was like, fuck it, like...
0: It's draft season. This is it's, when we go it's balls draft out. Draft <laughs> season. We got guests on.
1: I can't show up to the podcast with another fucking double IPA. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta bring down the big boy. It also clocks in at thirteen point one percent. And uh, wow. uh, first couple sips, there's, there's there's a lot of shit going on in this beer. When well, you're throwing this many adjuncts and aging on this stuff, <coughs> there's, there's a lot of things going on.
0: I thought I'd have the strongest thing here, and you beat me by a percent or by a tenth of a percent. Winning. Sam, what do you got?
2: <laughs> um, well, my my friends are more uh, of craftier aficionados than I am. I'm more of a nice uh, domestic, you know, yingling type of guy.
0: Yingling's but, good. But uh,
2: tonight, I pulled out a, uh, a golden monkey for you guys. It is a Belgian-style triple ale with an added mm-hmm. spice. Clocks in at 9.5%. Uh, tastes really good. And then I also have this peanut butter chocolate milk stout. Brewed by uh, Lost Coast, and it's uh, you know peanuts, cocoa, coffee, raisins, and toffee, and it really tastes good.
0: Awesome. <laughs> we'll get into the full reviews of that later. I've had that Lost Coast one, by the way. Um, it's pretty. Oh yeah, we've had the Victory before. Is Golden Monkey Victory yeah, does, Golden does good monkeys
2: beer. Golden monkeys are good. <laughs> Golden monkeys good.
0: It's one of those things that you don't think about too much because we can, you can get it almost anytime, anywhere, and there's so much other stuff that pops up. But, man, it's good to go back to old reliable every now and again. Absolutely. John, you got some gluten-free beer, which will be a first for the show, but not a bad thing because I'm sure that you're not alone in the gluten intolerance category.
3: Yeah, probably not. I mean, it seems like it's it's becoming a little bit more uh, widely accepted. But um, I will say, I mean, you guys just sound awesome and uh, – this is this is kind of bullshit. Like all the best things in life have gluten in them, pretty much. So
0: <laughs> that that's true. Beer, pasta. You're getting
3: robbed. You're getting okay. robbed. Zach, Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, beer, whiskey, vodka. Some vodka, most vodka. Zach um, Wilson. <laughs>
4: Jesus
0: Christ! We're starting already. <laughs> oh, here we go,
3: boys. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I do have, I did find a couple, uh, local breweries here in Colorado that, uh, actually, um, take, uh, gluten intolerance serious because this is a a very serious issue that affects, you know, millions of Americans every day. Um, but, uh, so I've got, uh, an IPA from bootstrap, a Bruce bootstrap brewing company. Um, uh, and, uh, only 7.6 percent man like and that's about as high as it gets for gluten-free beer
1: Mm, that's pretty high for Mm gluten-free
3: yeah like i think the gluten must like hold the 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 uh alcohol content up there a little bit but this also says it's made with rocky mountain (laughs) glacial water so anybody who's seen water boy knows that uh there's some <laughs> special powers in that so i had a oh, yeah. I, 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 there, high quality h2o and there <laughs> is Absolutely. i i had a
0: whiskey that was made with a splash of rocky mountain glacier water nice breckenridge secret so, powers <laughs> yes <yeah. laughs>
1: you developed the ability you know to tackle anybody but also stutter so it's like a double edged sword
0: <laughs> so you're saying drew locks to play defense
1: I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, Drew Lock might be a better linebacker. <laughs>
3: All right, uh, he's got to be. He can't be. He can't be any worse. Can't be,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who invited this just, guy? I know
3: you guys just had my guy Stompy on here talking up Drew Lock. I'm team.
0: Hey, I, I'm team Stompy on that one, but kind yeah. of ironically. Just I'm glad yeah. I got. You just so, so we're clear, it's a little ironically that I'm team <laughs> yeah. Drew Lock.
3: Yeah, this is you're going to hear the exact opposite from a Broncos fan tonight. It's there's I have absolutely no love for that guy. Dude blows.
2: I'm sure you're hoping Justin Fields falls to nine.
3: Oh, God, that'd be awesome. It it won't happen, but
2: it might. It might.
0: One of our listeners has a an acronym for YOLO. You only lock once. <laughs> he started in one he, week. Probably yeah. it might be hast, and it did not go well.
1: This is streaming. You this also streaming. You only lock once during the season.
3: You only lynch once too, though. That's <laughs> oh, the problem. It's, like, it's boy, holy hell! But <laughs> <We said it. laughs> well, then don't take Lance.
1: So, 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 you guys uh, cannot do yeah. is take Trey Lance then because you can't keep the yellow train going here. <laughs> yes, you can't seriously. only Lance once, also. Yeah, no, you that's probably
3: problem, though, can. Like, that's such a John Elway quarterback, right there. Though, just like big, mobile, big arm, and like, is, can he read a playbook? I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs>
0: we we'll, we will get there. Maybe. <laughs> All right. I've got. If you're not into yoga, from Illuminated Brewers, it is a white stout with coconut and pineapple, checking in at thirteen percent. Um so, I am not into yoga. I don't know if, you know, just in oh, case that we're curious. Is the one? No, 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 that's the white No, stat. no, no, this is the white stat with pineapple yeah, and that coconut. that
1: one also is, it's got a lot of shit going
0: It's right. a 13% or two, which is really high. It's an imperial white stat is what it is. Double. I don't think they Double. called that Double. out, but it's definitely an imperial white stat, at 13%. So. Makes sense. Um, we're bringing in the heavy hitters.
1: Yeah. Let's go <laughs> That's not just a beer either.
0: No. All right. Before we get to prospects, um, before we get into the draft, we got a couple news items to cover. So first off, Julian Edelman announced his retirement. So I uh, will not be returning to the Patriots. All oh, the knee injury the last couple of years. Very solid. One of the raging debates on Twitter that I've seen this week, though, is he a Hall of Famer. And I'm firmly in the no category. I think that immediately calling somebody a hall of famer after they retire is kind of a snap reaction for anybody that had a good career. And while Edelman had a a good, (laughs) good, (laughs) good career and was steady, um, you know, the argument that, you know, Heinz Ward isn't in the hall, so Edelman won't be. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Heinz Ward was steady for, for longer and better at his peak and just, uh, you know, very good, very good career not necessarily a hall of famer. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think I think the only way he gets in is based on his playoff performances and he gets afforded the you know the luxury of playing with you know with Tom Brady and in the playoffs every fucking year that he's healthy. So he's not getting in on just his regular season stats. He's not getting in and I don't think he has any pro bowls. Like he has no actual single player accolades to his name outside of having some rings. Obviously, which is done by the team. So, I don't see how he gets in. Like, Patriot fans, be damned. Like, you can argue about it all you want, but he's not
2: getting in. Wes Welker is not in, and he <laughs> right? basically he basically <laughs> created the whole. You know, short white guy comes from go. You know, goes to the Patriots and produces heavily. You know, he, he's he's the architect of that. If he gets in, then maybe there becomes an argument, but. Until that day, th- there is none because he, and I saw someone c- comparing Edelman to Eli Manning. That that may have been the most foolish thing I, I've seen in a long time on Twitter, uh, and it, it and it came from a couple of reputable people, <laughs> which I thought was even more outlandish. But reputable. Uh, yeah, reputable. But w- with Edelman, I mean the guy, you know, he, he was tied for two hundred and sixty first all time in touchdowns. I mean, he, you know, he's not a Hall of Famer. He had a very good career, and he was the hero of a Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's it. So, no from me as well.
3: Yeah, there's just this crazy list, man, of wide receivers who are better than Julian Edelman, who are not yet in the Hall of Fame. It's like, we've got, <laughs> we've got way too many guys to get. I mean, you guys just listed two of them, Welker and Heinz Ward. But, I mean, there's – like, I – I uh here in Denver, I mean, I, you know, I always get the Bronco news at the top of my feed, but somebody made the point that Rod Smith has like almost twice as many career yards and um, receptions as Edelman. And I mean, he had just a a far better career all around than Edelman and he's not in. So it's like, I, yeah, I, you, you, you just, there's, there's kind of no real path. (laughs) I don't don't think at this point. Yep.
0: Okay, I'm with you. in um, take note, because landing spot matters for a lot of these guys we're, we're going to talk about, the Falcons waived Ido Smith, adding him to Brian Hill and Todd Gurley to their offseason cuts. So that's their top three running backs that they have from last season that they cut. The only person they really brought in is Mike Davis, and the stuff dub Quadrioles and the signing of Cordero Patterson, which is more a special team signing. So they're going to do something, and they're going to be a prime landing spot to where even if they don't spend high draft capital – on a, a williams and etn or a harris that <clears throat> you know who you're going to be interested in whoever lands there so it's just don't really have to discuss it just something i wanted to to mention as uh they're planning to reform that backfield it would appear so Absolutely. landing spot's going to be cool there and uh, cardinal signed james connor to a one-year deal 1.75 million um you know with chase edmonds back there I mean, what's the feeling on James Conner to Arizona? Me personally, not a giant fan of that move.
1: Don't care. Like
0: You put it perfect.
1: There's like there's a chance he could get cut like before the season starts. Like we talk about these vets that had some fantasy value beforehand and you know, they get some hype behind it and then they end up getting cut in August.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I wouldn't be shocked if Conner falls in line with that, especially if they go running back with maybe their second round. Obviously, they don't have a third-round pick, but they will RB in the first round or two. Like, I don't give a shit about James Conner. If you have him in Dynasty, like, use this, I guess, small window to try to get off of him.
0: Yeah, for anybody that is hyped about this.
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, the one thing I do like about it, I, I, I think Chase Edmonds was already, you know, in line for a starting job in... Mm-hmm the tough part for him was going to be surviving the nfl draft well you sign james Conner, who's not a real threat i mean he's got to stay healthy in order to keep chase edmonds off the field and that's just historically that hasn't been something he's capable of doing but it also makes it it makes it less likely that they take a running back in the draft so you know, I think if you're if you do have Chase Edmonds on your roster, I think you feel a little bit better about that with James Connor rather than you know one of these top, top backs. Tier running yeah, because they in may because the they may
0: add somebody, but it's not going to be somebody it's from like the top the tier. Three.
3: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like
1: it's like going to be day through. Like without yeah. them having their third round pick, which was a very popular. Le- you know, pick to be used yeah. for running back for them. Yeah, it just it, it just makes more sense, and, and with Connor least having some you know ability to handle a workload, yeah, in short, yeah. In short spans, that mm-hmm. it should yeah. point to them being likely taken another Eno you know, Benjamin type. Well, day it, three pick,
0: and you've got a, a rushing quarterback that can make good on on design yeah, designed runs to go with Jace yep. Edmonds you bring in James Conner if you add a day 3 pick to that that's your backfield and they may have a path to carries but it's not a path to bell work so
2: yeah. i'd i'd personally rather bet that James Connor will be injured by the time the season rolls around than bet <laughs> on him getting any getting any actual legitimate work uh, I, i'm am with Dan. he's already I'm hurt to getting cut. you know uh, <coughs> they they'll, they'll probably add some day 3 talent uh there's you know benjamin i don't think played a snap last year so. no yeah you know, i think he's a, stash, he's a stash like he's there in name only yeah like he's he's not an actual part of that team and I, I i like chase edmonds to have you know uh you know a, a starting job to himself i mean you're kind of getting him at a value you know at this point in the spring so I mean, as long as he survives the draft, they should be fine, but I don't see the Cardinals using any of the, any of their picks on the top three guys right now.
0: No, not at all. Um, not in the least bit, by the way, James Conner's already hurt. He, uh, hurt his toe in a four-wheeler accident.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That, that was the, 18th. was that the, was that the injury from last year?
0: Uh, I think so.
2: Okay, so he said he had surgery on that. So he's in still the offseason. Yeah. Yeah. He's still recovering from that. Like the fact that it was an <laughs> ATV accident, like just it made me laugh when I heard it on the radio the other
3: day. <laughs> he's, mean, con- he's just in a constant, like perpetual state of recovering. It's exactly. either he's either hurt or like it. There's, there's this like small window where he's actually fully healthy and then it's on to. Injured and then recovering from just now for the next, you know, however many months. It, it's like it's nonstop with that guy. I don't like the injury-prone. That like the, the if it the fits, cliche, if it fit, if it fits, it fits though, right? If, it, sometimes if it just fits, <laughs> and with with James Connor, I mean, it's it's just there. That's yeah. all there is to it. Yeah, and it, it, it was
0: just a nice
3: doesn't have story.
2: It was a nice it was a nice yeah. story. It was, but you know, you know him coming back from. Being, uh, you know, in cancer treatment and everything, and yeah,
0: uh, no, it was
2: coming, backing up Le'Veon Bell when he when he sat out and everything, and having an awesome season. But uh, it's he he's so injury prone; he cannot stay healthy. I just don't see that changing. Right, and he's not efficient. Like, like you saw what happened to the
1: running game for Pittsburgh once their offensive line took a shit. You know, right. we constantly talk about Arizona. I well, a below-average offensive line, and
0: yeah, we could get into to that though, and and scheme, and that's kind of why I don't like the James Conner signing is because for Arizona, they want to, they're going to want to spread it out, and he's not the back you think of when you operate in space. I mean, you could see him in a Jordan Howard type role, essentially.
1: He's gonna steal all the touchdowns, Whoa, God yeah. for the you're, ten you're games that he
2: plays. You're gonna, you're gonna give me some like traumatic memories of a Jordan <laughs> mentioning Jordan Howard. I'm game. a Bears fan. Forget, I'm an Eagles fan. We have
0: the same. Okay, issues. cool. Yeah, we got the same issues. There's a support group that meets on Thursdays.
2: <laughs> we have the same issues. So
0: Dan, take it away.
1: All right, guys, let's get into the uh, the meat and potatoes, as we say in the show rookie quarterbacks we'll start with so first question here and again i'm teeing off these questions as roundtable uh discussion so top five quarterbacks right that's what everyone's been talking about um we're going to start off with those and then we'll move into the guys beyond that but we kind of know what the top five are you know if you guys have anybody else that's that really isn't a part of that but you want to talk about we'll get there shortly but I want to start with uh with us talking about our top five we know we'll we'll say who they are, we'll give a brief explanation that once all four of us have gone, we'll round table and discuss rankings and and why people are aware so um Sam, we'll start off with you. why don't you give me your top five and then if you want to explain <coughs> anything by all means
2: all right, so I'm gonna go by tier uh trevor in his own tier. Then I have Fields in his own tier. Hmm. Uh, then I have Wilson and Lance in their own tier. And then I I start a new tier after that, and that tier consists of Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, and Mac Jones. Okay. But I have Trask at the top of that tier.
1: Oh, <laughs> Hopper,
2: <laughs> keep it in your <laughs> pants, buddy. You finally found someone who likes Kyle. Uh, Trask. Kyle Trask, yeah, his. And and this this has very this has not as much to do with the fact that I am a Gators fan. <laughs> as it seems, it more has to do with the fact that I am not a Mac Jones fan. That's fair. And, and we only refer
0: I'm to not. him as McCorkle on this show.
1: Yeah, he is McCorkle
2: Jones. <laughs> the only reason I am not a McCorkle Jones fan is because the arm strength is trash. The pocket, you know, the mobility is is not there. And the fact that nobody's seen him do anything without A bunch of elite options around him makes me very wary of a Mitch Trubisky type, you know, one hit wonder season. So uh, Kyle Trask uh, showed me more. He's got a better arm. The only person he had on this team that was elite was uh, Kyle Pitts, as we all knew. And though he has a tendency to, you know, chuck it around the field and maybe force some bad plays. uh, I think he can be ironed out with time and he's got incredible pocket presence. So I really do like Kyle Trask and I- I'm teetering. Jones is at six, but Newman's right there. I'm, I'm a big, uh, Jamie Newman fan. I can thank, uh, Thor Nystrom for turning me on to that.
1: Oh yeah. He is. He is a big Newman fan.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: John, w- w- why don't you give you our, our our you know give our beautiful audience your top five? <laughs> yeah, mine's mostly chalky, but I will say I mean you know
3: Trevor Lawrence number one obviously. Yeah. For me though, like legitimately, uh, Zach Wilson is my number two. Um, I I'm I just I I like the way his skill set translates to the pro game. You know it's it's like there's mobility there. But he spent the time kind of honing the uh, you know the the passing on the run. He you know to a point where he doesn't lose velocity on the ball. He doesn't lose accuracy um, even when he's thrown across his body. That's I, I like I prefer that to these you know these guys who are just going to take off and run uh, in the face of pressure. I like the fact that he's more extend the play. You know, scramble to extend the play, and but still looking down the field, looking to throw, and has absolutely no fear when it comes time to throw into a tight window. So, I I don't like the landing spot. (laughs) Like it looks like we're pretty, (laughs) we're pretty set with him going to the Jets. Uh, That hurts a little bit, but it hasn't happened yet. So for the time being, he's still my number two. Um, Justin Fields number three. uh, Trey Lance number four. I still have Mac Jones number 5. I like I am with Swagman on that, but uh, on on Mac Jones, it's just the fact that he's going to be a first round pick and probably an early one. Yep. You know, just uh, draft capital is just so so important especially at the quarterback position that we just we we have to we have to go off of that a
1: little bit. Opper, why don't you give? Uh, why don't you give the people yours? You can finally, I guess, reveal. Even though hey, everybody should already know. So I have an idea. I'm gonna go I'm gonna, go. I'm
0: gonna go. I'm gonna go like Swagman here. Um, I'm gonna give it in tears. So um, Trevor Lawrence is my one in his own tier, and I think that that's chalky. That's unquestioned for for most people. I do have Zach Wilson is my two but he is in the same tier as Justin Fields. And I'll get into what the difference is to me between those two in a, in the minute, in a minute and why I have Wilson ahead of Fields. For everybody that listens to the show and has been listening for the past couple weeks, the thing that you need to know, and you can see it in our Zoom backgrounds on YouTube right now, Dan and I, if you listen to just what we say, it's going to sound like he hates Zach Wilson and I am in love with him and I hate Justin Fields and he is in love with him when in reality we both have them right together in the same tier it's just that's where we've decided that we're gonna have this brotherly quarreling going on for the entirety of draft season so that's what's gonna happen um beyond that i got mac jones at at four ahead of trey lance i'll get into that in a minute as well um there's some things with trey lance that make me a little uncertain even though the rushing upside and the um athleticism is undeniable uh mac jones is up there like like John said because of draft capital though um I actually from a film perspective like Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond both a little bit more than I like Mac Jones um I am very very high from both a film study and a statistical perspective on on Kyle Trask but I need to see how that draft capital and how that landing spot shakes out which is why I don't really lock in numerical rankings until after the draft I have my tiers set up but as far as one, two, three, four, five. That'll happen after people get drafted, after we see where they go. I likely don't... I won't move people between tiers based on that, but I will move them around within tiers. So that's why there's a big tier uh kind of right now. So as far as the difference between Zach Wilson, though, and and Justin Fields, from what I saw, they're both athletic. They both have great zip on their throws. Um, they both move well... Uh you know they both were were very productive good fastballs mid-range um the difference is in how it appears that they process and zach wilson appears to get through his reads quick and throw with very good anticipation whereas justin fields appears to be a little bit slower to process the field gets himself put under pressure a little bit more um ends up Taking off and running a bit more, which is another difference for me. It will always, 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 always be a preference of mine to choose the guy that throws on the run versus the guy that just runs on the run and that's another big difference between the two quarterbacks to me is that zach wilson has throwing on the run down to an art and justin fields is going to do it with his legs which is good for fantasy that's a personal preference of mine though when you have two athletic quarterbacks give me the guy that keeps his eyes downfield and throws with a a bit more anticipation um than than what fields does who i think is a little bit slower through his reads and a little bit more reactive overall there's a reason they're in the same tier um that's likely not going to change a whole lot come draft day where i think that there's not going to be a whole big bit of difference in draft capital um but that is what separates the two for me is that ability on the run what they do on the run and then the anticipation that zach wilson shows over justin justin fields trey lance i am lower on him than most um and I've debated it and debated it and debated it and decided that I'm not going to come up higher on him kind of yet. (laughs) Um, Obviously, undeniably athletic. Feet like a running back. is great through contact. He has good vision. Works through reads well. Does throw with anticipation. um, But the accuracy was a little bit inconsistent. Um, I thought he struggled with the deep ball, especially in coverage. I thought that... Um, the fact that he somehow only threw one interception in college was just dumb luck in watching his film that he didn't have more shit picked off, didn't have more turnovers. Um, you know, statistical profiles up there, but lesser competition. I'm not gonna harp on that too much. is um, a running quarterback. he doesn't have the lamar Kyler, Lamar Kyler type of of game breaking athleticism outside slipperiness make people miss. He runs more kind of like a power back um not shying away from contact and and really more so between the tackles than he does rolling outside which to me is concerning at the next level um he added some inconsistencies when he was throwing on the move and just that lack of kind of game breaking again undeniably athletic but if you're not lamar or kyler athletic how well is that speed going to translate? necessarily at the next level not being a quarterback awesome but i think it's going to be closer to what fields and wilson is than it is going to be some uh, you know larger defining characteristic at that level so um you know i i just think that there's more holes in trey lance's game than a lot of people want to acknowledge because they love the athleticism and i'm going to acknowledge that i'm going to put him a spot or two lower
1: all right Mine. So, Hopper, you're a little – we're a little different on it. I actually have Fields and Lawrence in the same tier. So, just like with, with Swag and, you know, with Hopper here, I, I do mine based off of tiers, and especially to do with Chris. Like, we don't really rank them until we see everything out. And I've really, I'm I've never been a big fan of rankings for the last couple of years. I think tiers are just a better off, and it, it, it kind of protects you from the – the unnecessary arguments about a player above a certain player and that just automatically means you hate said player below and I think it's fucking stupid. Um, I'm going to say this: I actually like my top five. I'm a huge fan of all five of them. It's the first time I feel like that, that has ever happened since we started doing this um, and I feel like I have to now be the one that has to defend McCorkle which I didn't think I would have to. So, um, But anyways, uh, my tier one is going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields has always been that way for me. It's, it's been that way for a lot of the Debbie people that have followed them since uh, coming out of high school as both of these guys were both number one and number two recruits, not just quarterbacks but recruits in the two thousand eighteen class. That speaks volumes, and I believe if Justin Fields would have actually started year one with Georgia before transferring to Iowa State, he would have we would be talking about him in the same light as at least as a whole, you know, with uh with uh with uh Trevor Lawrence. So um there's a great article that I read that one of the Ohio State kind of beat writer guys uh, spoke about when brought up the, um, with the slow process, and he spoke as to why he thinks a lot of people see soul process when they evaluate Justin <coughs> Fields, and he spoke to it the fact that, as he claims, Ohio State runs one of the hardest offensive schemes in college football. A lot of it's option reads, obviously RPOs, but it's also the wide receivers that run a lot of option routes, and then when you have to Take these, you know, 18, 19 year old freshman receivers, especially at a time like in 2020 with COVID, a lot of guys opted out or getting hurt. This feels played without his top three receivers for most of the season. A lot of that timing can be messed up. It doesn't say that it's a full on excuse, but it does kind of help explain to why his reads or his processing through his reads have been a bit slow. Um, I think it's bullshit the narrative that's been spun with them in the national media. Um,
0: what is that narrative, by the way? Because I've missed that. I saw some things about, you know, there's, you know...
2: Orlovsky uh, spoke with, Oh, yes. Okay, I did without, see that. like, checking his sources, said yeah. he was uh, not, not good in practice. Who's he was the last guy ours, first guy. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Awful. awful I
0: disregarded awful. that take entirely, so... Yeah, as, as, as you should. As, everyone yeah, should, as everybody yeah, should. Everyone
1: should. But we're... We're not going to get into that. So, um, And then my tier two uh, does combine Lance Wilson Ember Corkle himself. Mainly for the biggest part is, is that all three quarterbacks have only one year of actual dominance when they've played. Obviously, Zach Wilson's been a three-year starter since he came in. Struggled his first two and then was able to put it together in year three behind one of the leagues, one of the nation's best offensive line, playing against some optimal competition. Now, as Hopper and I have always debated about and agree with when it comes to Zach Wilson, his playmakers around him are fucking atrocious drops everywhere, everywhere. His receivers dog shit. But I believe all three of these quarterbacks, Lance McCorkle and Wilson himself are going to likely have to sit a year to get adjusted to the actual NFL level with only one year of, of true dominant, especially for Lance who's who took this year off who I think has the most holes and has the most raw upside to him, you're taking Lance and fantasy because you believe that once he takes the field, at least the rushing upside will be there. And granted it may not all come together, you know, see Josh Allen. I've always been the Josh Allen and Zach Wilson or not, or Josh Allen and, and, uh, and a, a Trey Lance are more alike than, than Zach Wilson and Josh Allen. But um, the rushing upside is what should carry Lance early on. And he hoped that through, his, you know, his, the scheme adjustments, and then through uh, coaching, that he can reach his his potential. One of these guys is going to bust, and I've been on the train that Zach Wilson has the highest boom upside. I think his 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 uh his ceiling is incredible, but uh, given his best comparable on uh, player profile is Johnny Manziel, and how he likes to play hero ball a lot. I think he's not gonna get away with as much as as much he was able to against some of the lesser competition that he faced while playing BYU levels of it. It's not his fault. Like he he, he dominated who he was supposed to dominate. Like we can't we can't fault him for that. So let's see how that translates to it. Newark's gonna give him that opportunity probably from day one with getting rid of you know of Darnold. So you can't hate Wilson for the fact he's gonna get on the field as early as week one. And McCorkle, I think I, I, I really hate the fact that we have to that that people view him as the most pro ready, even though he's played one full season with the best, with the best of the playmakers we've seen in a long time. Granted, he played against high levels of competition. Of course, he played with Alabama, but he's still going to take time. He still has to learn through everything else on top of not having the elite athleticism that a lot of the other guys have in this class. So, because of the non-rushing upside McCorkle, it's almost in a tier of his own below that. But as John alluded to, he's going to get the draft capital. He's going to eventually start. You know, you look at, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks at least get a full season of starts before, you know, we find out who they actually are in terms of what their, their what their longevity is. So we know we're going to get at least a full season of them. We can't speak to the same of that for guys like Kyle Trask and Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond who are going to go day two or worse day three. And that's why I can't have those guys in the same tier. They're not going to get the opportunity that we know of right away unless they land into a good spot just based on draft capital. So those are our top five, top six, seven-ish. We're going to kick it off to some discussions. Now, all of us had Trevor Lawrence at the top of their list. It's been unquestioned (laughs) throughout the entire process. What I've seen and what doesn't get talked about a lot, and maybe this gets talked about more in national media, but I don't listen to that shit, is why is Trevor Lawrence the undoubtedly number one in his own tier? Most people don't talk about it. They just assume that he is. And I feel like that gets missed.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of that on, on Twitter. And here's why. It's the combination of everything we like on the guys below him. You hear Josh Allen comps here and there. Lawrence reminds me more of anybody else, of Josh Allen from an athleticism standpoint, from the way that he moves, the way that he looks running the football. Um, I thought that he just, the IQ was head and shoulders above everybody else from just kind of the natural sense you could see when he was playing the position, knowing when to step up, knowing when to move the pocket, knowing when to throw the ball away, sensing pressure. Um, all of those things you have to do at the NFL level um, to to be successful those senses are just there um, he makes every throw accurate it's on time doesn't matter if he's on the move or not the arm strength is there uh, to all levels of the field so you know the only two things I I noticed with him is that occasionally the footwork gets out of whack and he has some throws that'll dive or sail but it's not a consistent problem. It's not something <coughs> that happens throw after throw or like when he gets into that, it's going to keep going. It's just something that I noticed. And the only other knock on him, I swear, I'm not going to make the same mistake by holding it against him was the same knocks I had on Sean Watson, which is just the way that that offense runs, which is purely out of shotgun and a lot of one read and RPO. Um, that's the only, those are the only two knocks I had on him Is an occasional bad throw in the way that offense runs. Everything else just, Ticks the boxes at such a high level, there just aren't the questions there with him that I have with a a Justin Fields, a Zach Wilson, a Trey Lance, or a Mac Jones.
2: Yeah, he's he's the most polished prospect out of all of these guys. He checks all the boxes. The most, you know, they they say he's the most the best prospect since Andrew Luck, and I really don't see anything that that leads me to disagree with that. Everyone else has some sort of question. Uh, Fields is. You know, Fields has definitely risen a lot for me. Uh, for a, a while, I had Zach Wilson as my QB two, like John, like John did, like Chris did. Uh, but you know, you know, for me F- with Fields or with Trevor, there's just nothing that you can really pin on him that is bad. He has happy feet from time to time, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. You know, you want him to be ready to move, and he can run too. So you know, it re- it really he really does check all the boxes and I, I can't see anything that would lead, you know, anybody to think right now, you know, while we haven't seen him in any NFL action that he would be anything less than the one-on-one because there's just nothing else that any of these other prospects can do to overtake him at this point. And that, that even, you know, goes beyond some of the people in this community that have fields at, at the one on one over him, you know guys like Christian Williams, who, who's outsmoking in his Justin Fields love, and he's he leading backs that it up. train.
1: He's leading that train. He, of he really Fields. is. He's and been on that train for a long time. So it's and it's he backs it up.
2: And he backs it up. He has the analysis that that works for it. But you know, for me, it, you know, it, it's just you're you have to really dig deep to find anything bad about Trevor. And whatever whatever off things you can find. You know, whether whether it's the fact that he ran out of a completely shotgun offense and he may not adjust well to a pro-style offense. An NFL team will simplify that for him. You know, they'll make it easy for him to adjust to. And he'll be able to run a pro-style offense because he really does have a high football IQ from what we've seen. And he hasn't had the elite level of talent that guys like Mac Jones have had. Ooh, excuse me. But... <laughs> You know, there's there's just nothing I I can say bad about Trevor Lawrence, so you know he's he's the easy one
3: on one. Yeah, kind of the 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 better conversation I think to have as far as Trevor Lawrence goes is like it's it, there's there's just kind of no real reason to question you know his status is number one, um, not only for the NFL purposes but for Superflex mm-hmm. dynasty yeah, purposes, easily. but you know, kind of the the better the better question is like how much better is he than these other quarterbacks and that like that's the part that i think people maybe get a little bit lost in is you know the like this is a very polished prospect you know likely can't miss type of prospect um that doesn't come along very often but this is a pretty deep quarterback Mm. class so you know, there's there there is a conversation to be had in terms of you know dynasty value, fantasy football value. When you're talking about Trevor Lawrence versus these other guys, that's the, like that's the only thing that these guys can really yep. compete with him on is the fact that mm-hmm. they're significantly cheaper, and I don't know that they're going to be significantly worse it's, than Trevor
0: Lawrence. It's a floor versus ceiling type value. Value. Right. So to me. There is not a giant break between Trevor Wilson and then the Zach Wilson Justin Fields tier. Um, right. From film, statistically, um, <clears throat> you know, there's not, no matter how I profile it, there's not a giant break there. The thing is, is that it, Lawrence's floor is. I don't want to say the same as the upside for fields and Wilson, because I think that if Lawrence is only at his floor, that fields and Wilson, we could look back and say ended up better, but it just feels more, more sure. How often does a prospect come in and perform at what their ceiling is from day one or even, you know, long term? there's going to be some holes. Statistically speaking, there's going to be some holes that, that show up. And that's, you know, that's kind of what you're betting on. The upside of, of Fields or Wilson, surely, definitely, it you know, could put them up above that floor where where Lawrence is. It's just, it's the safer option, which is why you go with it, because there's not as many, yeah. there's not as clear of a path to something going wrong.
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah, because, like, I I would even go so far as to say, like, if I was going to put money on... Who's going to be the rookie of the year? Like, it wouldn't take very it wouldn't take very good odds, or you know, it wouldn't take a, a much of an increase for me to move off of Trevor Lawrence and say, you know, either either Wilson or, I mean, Fields is more likely. Like he's he's awesome. going to land in a better situation. Um, you know, he's yeah. going to have better weapons at the jump. Like it's, it, it, it's,
0: it's Justin Herbert. Yeah. I yeah, mean exactly. not comparing the players but the situation. Right. It's it's Justin yeah. Herbert who goes fourth but lands in an offense with you know Keenan it's Allen ready-made. and Austin Eckler yeah. and that has pieces already. Yeah.
3: But, and that's but that's kind of my feeling if Justin Fields lands in a situation where he's going to start from day 1 or at least you know early on get on the field. If Justin Fields get is in that type of situation, I think that for me he's the odds on favorite to win rookie of the year. Now does that, is that <laughs> change the math when it comes to trevor lawrence it shouldn't like Mm -hmm. he like you said hopper he's still the safer option you know he's still got the highest floor and that that part's probably not really close but I, i i think that not only does not only just does justin fields and zach wilson honestly have every bit the ceiling Of Trevor Lawrence, they're actually more likely to realize it in year one.
1: Yeah, and like I can even say you can even speak the same of even a guy like Trey Lance who could get there. What we what we I think all agree on is that McCorkle not doesn't have any (laughs) of not
4: quite the same upside.
2: And the name like McCorkle, yeah, (laughs) what is it? What's the upside? yeah, how's he going to succeed with a name like McCorkle?
0: I, I, I do want to talk about McCorkle for a second. Some <laughs> Let's of the talk flaws about there McCorkle because okay. I didn't really talk about his profile just so much. What I thought, you know, his draft capital was going to be basically, and for Mac Jones, you know, I, I think your issue there is one. Sarkeesian did such a good job of scheming for him to use his weapons and to move him off the spot and to get him away from pass rush that he's going to have to land in an NFL scheme and with an NFL coaching staff that can kind of do that same thing and scheme to his strengths. And I hate giving Sarkeesian credit, but <coughs> <laughs> All I, he deserves a lot of credit for he does. the season that Mac Jones had. And it showed up on film the way that you know, it was scheme for Mac Jones and you hide his flaws, which is that he gets antsy under pressure. Um, you know, had a little bit of luck as he was throwing into coverage and, um, you know, just didn't necessarily have to think a whole lot because he's got some of the best playmakers out there and putting the ball in their hands and letting them work. The things to like about Mac Jones, he's got a good release. He is quick through his reads. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. Throws are accurate, plays with confidence uh, in, in poise and control of his pocket. Under pressure, that breaks down a little bit, but we're not talking like Josh Rosen levels of breakdown that that made him a bust or that made me look at Josh Rosen and say, no, not a chance, because under pressure, it all goes away. That's just kind of the biggest question mark with Mac Jones, and then the fact that the ceiling just isn't as high is a, a a Wilson or a Fields or a Lawrence, because the athleticism isn't the same. It's just not there. The rushing upside isn't there. Um, you know, we joke around the show and say that you know Dan just took McCorkle in a mock draft of the Vikings, and you drafted Kirk Cousins to replace Kirk Cousins, and that's in a lot of ways what it feels like.
1: It felt it felt dirty, but
0: uh... <coughs> and Kirk Cousins for fantasy. Has had some very, very good years in Superflex. He's definitely He's been reliable great. as a QB two that week the week to week has QB one upside. So you're okay with Kirk Cousins, especially in that type of scenario. It's just not as exciting as some of these other
1: guys. Yeah, like he doesn't have the Konami code upside and that like I think people as we've seen the rushing upside for quarterbacks really take through, especially this year where our uh, I forgot who it was. I want to say it was Mike Up uh, on Twitter. I think he stated that seven of the top twelve quarterbacks had twenty percent of their production was made through rushing. So, like, like we're starting to see the the true effect of what rushing quarterbacks have in terms of top twelve finishes. And while you know Kirk Cousins isn't sexy, he's one of the perfect QB 2s because he's 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 never priced right. Like he's always undervalued. He's becoming a new Matthew Stafford. You know, you know in a sense for as long as he's a QB of Minnesota who has, you know, top weapons about and the defense continues to be shitty. But um we know you know who Kirk Cousins is and I think and, and we talked about here. I, I, that's what I always think Mac Jones' ceiling is 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 Kirk Cousins. So let's let's get off these top five. Let's move on to you know some of the names that we've talked about. You know, we know we've mentioned Traps, we mentioned Newman, we mentioned uh Mon so let's what's gonna give if anybody has any quarterbacks that they have interest in, and this is going to be for, you know, for fantasy purposes. Um, is there any quarterbacks? If you guys want to, you know, sp- speak your love for Trask Cause Hopper knows I am firmly <laughs> on the other side of Kyle Trask. <laughs> so um, we have two, uh, we have two trash likers. Some will say lovers likers. That's hard. To yeah. Look at
0: there's those. one, there's one guy I love more than, and, than it, Kyle we'll like talk the, about contrast. So we'll so. Let's start with
1: Trask. Trask. There's what's often talked about as potentially the sixth quarterback in the first round, right? There there right. Were, yes. speaks about it before you know the bowl games. Obviously uh his his last game against Bama um was pretty ugly. Um and, and then as he kind of it kind of went downhill for him and I think some <coughs> of the flaws stuck out more watching you know, good film compared to bad film. I I, I feel similarly about Kyle Trask as Hopper feels about uh, as he felt about Josh Rosen. When I when I watch the pocket collapse where I think the presence is fine, at times everything goes out the window when it, it turns it turns into hellfire for him. Yeah, the
0: difference it's is, is that, strength, the difference is that he had presence versus Rosen who had does. no presence yeah. either. So, yeah. but, I think um,
1: at times he'll be fine, but it's what I saw as a quarterback who has doesn't have NFL arm strength and mm. at least from what I've seen, um he's got decent touch and he's got decent, you know, decent accuracy throughout the short and intermediate of the field when he has a pocket to work with, and maybe that's due to the scheme when only you know when your two best players is Kyle Pitts and Tooney. Like it, it's not fit perfectly for him, you know, to work deep, and maybe that's you know Florida's problem. But from what I saw with with Tras, that when his offensive line struggled, and that I saw that a lot, everything sucked from ball placement. The arm strength, the accuracy, and it, I, I'm not a film guru by any point, but it, 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 it downright looked ugly to me. You know, combine that with the fact that he's not going to go day one. He'll he, there's a chance he may not even go day two. The chances of him actually producing at least even one top twelve season is is fucking <laughs> gross. And he, he
0: you know what the difference upside. You know that that's where the problem is. You know what the difference is between Mac Jones and Kyle Drask?
1: is Jones is going to get first round draft capital. It's draft
0: capital. That's it. That's the only difference to me between, between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. And that's fair. It's going to be, yeah. And it's going to depend on where Trask lands. I thought, so Dan, to your, your comment about arm strength, I thought he did show good zip, but he changed speeds a lot. Is something I noticed in his tape is that he would change speeds based on the situation. If he had to fit it in a tight window, he has a fastball. He doesn't throw the fastball all the time, which is why you see some of the better touch throws and everything on sure. that. So he'll zip it in the intermediate range if he has to fit it in there. And man, did he do some throwing into tight windows! And sometimes it was completely boneheaded, but other times it it worked out. <laughs> it looked out for him because he can do that. Um, you know, ball placement wise, I thought he was pretty good with that. He put his ball high, gave his receivers a chance on most throws. He wasn't putting the ball in danger a whole heck of a lot. I thought he also threw with anticipation, especially against zone coverage. It does help that you have Kyle Pitts, but um, the timer was there. But like you said, Dan, when pressure happened, it does kind of go out the window, but he does have the timer, which is what Josh Rosen was severely lacking. That's true. Um,
1: And and, and I will give you that for sure.
0: And he's not athletic, but like Mac Jones, he's a willing runner to where he ain't going to chunk you 15 yards, but... If pressure's there, he'll pick up two or three, or can scramble for four or five, and kind of those things we laugh at when we see not really a running quarterback run that can pick up positive yards and has a sense to pick up positive yards, but it's not pretty. That's kind of Kyle Trask to me. I think Kyle Trask is Mac Jones without the draft cap, draft capital. That that's basically my summation on it. It's Kyle Trask, that Kyle Trask is Mac Jones that didn't play at Bama that doesn't have the draft capital.
2: With me, with me, and you know, part of the reason I I love Trask is because look, look at the talent he had last year. It's Pitts, it's bad. Pitts went out. Pitts went out halfway through that season. He mm-hmm. didn't play almost half the season. know he had he was injured if I remember correctly. Sorry, the, the alcohol is affecting my brain. There uh, it is. But. <laughs> uh, the Bama game was actually very good for him. That was it was the Bama. You, I couldn't remember. Yeah, what it, was Oklahoma, it was the oh, Oklahoma. That's, that's that was the it was really the Oklahoma
0: game. That was the Oklahoma game. Was bad. The Bama game. Him and McCorkle and Trask. McCorkle, right. totally McCorkle totally and Trask right. put went, totally on a great show. He had not, yeah, he and that. Oklahoma was there. the bad one.
2: But so I I know where you're coming from, Dan. I I'm with I'm with Hopper. I like the I like the touch throws from Trask. He's really good at that. Uh, he knows how to put the ball on his receiver. Um, but with Trask, the guy had 43 touchdowns last year. That's the most. That's the most in the FBS. You know, he he had he made the most out of his non-elite talent. Like we're we're all in agreement. M- McCorkle had much better talent than him. I don't think. Uh, like I don't think
1: Grimes is going to be. It's it's gonna you know scare defenders the way He's that uh, no. Samantha so Smith did
2: while exactly. was stretching the field. So right, there's, exactly. There's so, no argument for me there. <laughs> I want to I, I want to point out that you know Kyle Trask made a lot out of nothing, and I, I think it's important to 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 note that he didn't really get a shot. Uh, you know something I found interesting. He he from when he started last year or two years ago. Sorry. When he took over for Felipe Franks after he tore his ACL, he hadn't started a game, in in a football game, since high school. So for him to come in right away like that and produce the way he did, I I thought was really good. And and it showed that he has the competitive edge, that if he lands somewhere where a team's going to give him a starting job, and I think that team is Chicago in the second round – I think that's going to be a really good place for him. Uh, you know, obviously Chicago is a highly, highly dysfunctional team. You
0: got to draft and Andy. You got to draft Andy Dalton to replace Andy Dalton. And that's <laughs> not a oh, shot at no. trash. Andy Dalton had some good fantasy seasons, but Mac
2: Jones, An- Jones is Andy Dalton incarnate. Don't, don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm firm. I am firm. And I am solid on that, that, that ideal there. So, uh, do I think Mac Jones is extremely similar to Kyle Trask? I do,
4: mm-hmm. uh,
2: but I do think Kyle Trask has better arm strength than than Mac Jones. I think he has better placement than Mac Jones, and I, I don't think either of them are particularly mobile. I think they're, they're both poor man, I think they're both poor man Brady's. Uh they may not be as accurate as radius and They're not hold on. They are not. one four eight. They're not, not Jones, so they're,
1: they're not, memory, so they're they're not that right.
0: bad. Okay. Jones ran a four eight eight. Uh ran ai uh, I thought he ran a I I thought he ran a four
1: six
2: eight.
0: Uh I'm looking at player profiler adjusted oh. times. 488 for Mac Jones, and it was a 513 for Trask. I was about to say, I,
3: to say, cause I saw 468. Uh,
4: the
0: burst scores are really what's important for the quarterback. Burst score correlates more than 40 time, And, and uh, 111 for Trask and 114 for Jones, which are both above board for a, a quarterback success level, because that's going to matter more when you're trying to move around the pocket, pick up yardage in, in short range, and and run away from defenders, and they're both there. By comparison, uh, who's an athletic guy that I have a number on? Because athletic guys really... So Ian Book is probably... Oof. No. I Ian got, Book runs. I, runs. Got a, I got a Felipe Franks number, actually, which is probably the... That's an interesting one. So Felipe Franks was at 115.4 on his burst. Ian Book at 114.4, which Woo. is right there with where Mac Jones was. So Mac is a little bit more athletic, but Trask still ranks above board. <coughs>
2: right. And, and what I found interesting was that even though they're, they're both very, they they both have above average above board uh, burst scores. They don't run that much. So I, I think, you know, it's going to come down to which one of them is better in the pocket. And I, I really do think Trask for the level of talent that he had, Maneuver better around the pocket than uh, Mac Jones did.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, you know, obviously, I think I'm a little biased, which is why I'm finding ways to defend Trask over McCown.
1: There's something so, wrong with
2: that. There's yeah, and I just don't know. There, there's something about Mac Jones that, that just turns me off, and, and I feel like I feel like it's the one hit wonder thing. You know, the fact that he's only played, he's only started one season and three games last year, or two years There's ago. nothing
0: so, wrong with one-hit wonders. I still rock Aqua's Barbie Girl every now and again.
2: <laughs> but they, all, there is something wrong with them when they turn into Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> oh.
0: He didn't have a hit. Well, I mean, 13 games in North Carolina, but that, sure. But, but, but.
2: That's, what, that's what Mac Jones had. He had 13 games at Alabama of star-studded production. Which was, you know, obviously he started more. He off.
0: started more than thirteen because of the Tua injury, though. He's got a, little, he a little, so, more yeah, little more under his belt. Yeah, a little more under his belt. they're
2: all but it's still with the, It's still point. with the extremely elite talent. So, so what happens if Mac Jones goes to? Uh, let's say Mac Jones goes to Chicago. Yes. I no longer think he's going to San Francisco. By the way, uh, enough nope. has come out today. I'm sure you guys all saw it today. All the betting. Uh, first off,
0: I'm it shifted the so, fields. So yeah, first off, I'm chucking bourbon, and then <laughs> second off, um, what happens if you go to Chicago? I mean, the line isn't there. The coaching staff isn't really going to be there. He gets still you here
2: has to sit
0: behind Andy Dolan. He's, and he still has Allen Robinson, and then he has a But then the problem, <coughs> but change. then the problem is you have a coaching staff change and a GM change. So what yeah. happens with the regime change? We've seen what happens it's, with the regime changes, and it doesn't go well. I, I, you know, I,
2: I'm firmly in the camp that Mac Jones is destined to be a career backup, so it would not shock me. I, I just, I, if he doesn't go to San Francisco, where does he go? You guys are all certain that he goes in the first round. I think at this point we kind of have to... a team will trade out for him. Like,
1: if he doesn't get out that like what about
2: him. New England? What about New England? Does he go? To, could he go to New England? Could Bill see him as literally yeah. his next great his, his him, next great quarterback? Sure. I mean, or Lance,
1: maybe, maybe Fields if he's at the one at three.
2: Fields, is the, I just, I just,
1: he's going. S- I actually if, got if money on Fields.
2: Mac, yeah, if it's not Mac, I just think it's Fields.
1: I got Fields going. I got money on Fields going too. But let's, uh, John, interesting. John, John, you've been no, cool. like I put money on it because it was insane. Ah, it was like plus twelve hundred. Like I yeah, couldn't. be quiet. Let's hear.
2: What John, you're like, John,
1: so. let's hear from you, buddy. Let's like you got a, You got it. You know, a quarterback out of the outside of the top five that you have some interest in.
3: Not a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, again, it really kind of comes down to draft capital. It does. I mean, yeah. you know, but there, there's going to be some teams here. Like here's the thing: like either Atlanta or Denver takes a first uh, a quarterback in the first round. The other one is probably looking in like the second or third round. Those are both great landing spots, you know, with vulnerable quarterbacks. Atlanta because Matt Ryan's thirty six. Denver because Drew Locke is fucking terrible. So like, you know, one of those two, one of those two jobs is going to be available to a quarterback. So you know, you you really just kind of look at all these guys, put them in the same basic tier at least to me like jamie newman is probably my favorite out of the group you guys mentioned ian book i really like his skill set personally um and and you know very pro ready but you know it it really just kind of comes down to the landing spots um and you know because there there there's some very good there's some very good opportunities for somebody like whoever lands in philadelphia for instance you know it's going to be a fairly short leash for Jalen Hurts probably so you know let's not start
2: with that we're pro
3: please please (laughs) don't pull I I love Jalen Hurts don't don't put that evil on me yes (laughs) we we are
2: very pro Jalen Hurts am I wrong to get a lot
0: of Jalen Hurts out of Trey Lance and just the path he could take should take no No, etc etc
2: Jalen's like three inches shorter he doesn't really I mean he's more of a runner then than trey lance will ever be i, I
1: don't have concern for him this year but if he does struggle and if there is a uh, gm change in philly i mean the quarterback there class won't next be. year there won't there won't be i'll save it, it for is you is he Howie that Rosen, safe is he that, like best that safe with he's like best friends with
2: Lori. he's like best friends with Lori. i'm weirdest, sorry man it's oh, the weird, <laughs> i'm it's sorry the weird, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing i've ever seen it's so gross weird weirdly enough I would be completely okay with keep... I'm so sorry, John, to interrupt you, by the way. but No, you're good. Uh, to, keeping Howie is okay as long as you get someone that can help him draft because that's what he sucks at is drafting. But the cap, the cap stuff, the trading, all the financials. He did move Wentz, which good. was
1: big. He did move away from Wentz. He and he's fleeced.
2: He's fleeced so many people over the years. You know, we have the most draft picks this year. We'll have the most value of draft capital next year because we'll have three first rounders most likely. So, you know, how he does well in that scenario, it's just the drafting part. That he has so many issues in. So what are the chances should. that
1: Philly goes quarterback at six? Or not or at twelve? Do you think there's a I, I said a this chance on, now.
2: I actually said this on my podcast a couple of days ago, and it's so unlikely. They tried to move up for Wilson. They tried to move up to yeah,
1: that was the rumor, to yeah. my
2: with with Miami at their original pick at three. Uh, they they moved up with the in, intent on selecting Wilson, but evidently they were told to basically fuck off. so (laughs) well that that's what was said because they they said if Wilson was there they would have gotten a deal done but New York New York Joe Douglas you know Joe Douglas is obviously our former uh one of our former draft guys so maybe he called Howie and said you know I'm taking Wilson at two it's a done deal it's set in stone you can't have him so Howie I think yes. Howie had okay. a deal in place with the Dolphins to move down, but they just needed they just needed a third team to make the, the three to six to twelve work and that team ended up being San Francisco. Because yeah. it happened really quick after it the was, first trade. It
1: was it was so, the same day. It was like right. it was like two hours. It was the same part. hour. It was yeah, the same hour, hour, yeah.
2: Yeah. So
1: all right. Anything else on their quarterbacks?
0: John, do you have anything else on, on Mac yeah, Jones since you got interrupted twice no, yeah. to sidebar no, to you're the good. Eagles?
3: No, no, you're good. That was that was really kind of it, to be honest. I <laughs> I still think that that's a decent landing spot for a quarterback, just because you know the, the as much as I love Jalen Hurts, I think he's a better passer than than people realize. I agree. By the way, I'm too. there with you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, agree. I agree like Just the way the wind is blowing out of Philadelphia feels like it's going to be a pretty short leash. So you know that's that's just kind of one example of many where there's a very good. Landing spot for somebody. You just kind of keep an eye on on yep. the ones like that.
2: All right. Yeah, so I let's, wanted to say oh, I did want to say if fields land if fields slides to twelve, it wouldn't shock me at all to see Philly take him.
1: Man, you guys um, would go fucking nuts. Man, it I'd sucked be, for me. I love. Hurts. I'd be I'd
2: be low key. I'd be low <laughs> key. I'd be low key. <laughs> like about to like take a knife and, and but because I can't deal with another QB controversy. But at the same time. Uh, you know I was I was shaken out of my you know go away from QB at any cost to give Jalen the team and I I figured that if if one of those guys falls then I'm okay with it sure
1: all right let's let's move on let's move on to uh let's do a little bit of a a beer talk you guys all have Mm-hmm. On. Let's talk no, I want beer. to talk about
0: Kellen Mond before I talk about beer. Okay, I have not I'm, gotten to talk about I, Kellen Mond I'm yet. Sorry. We are going to talk, about, uh, Kellen <laughs> gonna gonna talk about, about Kellen Mond because we just spent the last Mond. 20 minutes talking about the fucking Eagles. Um, so, <laughs> Kellen Mond, who I think is, from what I've seen, I mean, I'm excited about Kellen Mond and I'm probably more excited about Kellen Mond than I am anybody else that fell out of the top five just because I do see a lot of upside there and you know never mind what came out of his pro day with putting his own pro day together building his own workouts his own routes taking initiative and apparently really making a good impression on nfl teams and doing so thought he had a great release um pristine accuracy when he could set his feet um when he couldn't set his feet or ran or had to throw on the run it wasn't necessarily pretty he had some zip Fit the ball in really tight windows, and if you watch the Alabama game with him, he really shows that one off, that one off. I've got the hiccups. So he really shows off in that Alabama game the ability to where he can fit the ball. Thought he had a good sense for pressure. Um, the offensive line only allowed four sacks there last year, as a stat I heard in one of the games I was watching. <coughs> and a lot of that is because of Kellen Mond. It's not because of the line. It's because of Mond's ability to cinch presser and either, either get out and run or get rid of the damn football. Um, he has the athleticism to scramble. Had good rushing production. Not a run first quarterback. Keeps his eyes downfield. Again, something we mentioned earlier. I really like quarterbacks that can run. that look to throw first. He is definitely of that breed. <laughs> damn, I have the hiccups. Hey, dude. <laughs> and I thought the stats this year would have been better. Except he had the same problem with receivers. where Everything was getting dropped. He had a young receiver. Cor- people opting out people being hurt um there were a ton of drops ton of balls that maybe maybe weren't perfectly thrown hitting people in the hands and then hitting hitting the ground only knocks on Mon that i really saw are that the accuracy does disappear on the run he doesn't quite have the the same arm strength as a zach wilson or a justin fields but i would say that when you get into the trask and um the trask and jones area he's definitely on par with those guys some questionable gunslinger type decisions when he's under pressure but it's not egregious and it's typically not dangerous um and it's usually in the name of not taking sacks um and and not a game breaker but definitely some very solid rushing numbers so mon's a guy that i see i'm real curious if he is a top 50 pick which is rumored that he could be after what he showed teams at his pro day from the iq perspective and in the, the leadership and take charge perspective. If he's a top 50 pick, I am all in on Kellen Mon jumping into that, you know, kind of up with those first five is guys that I'm for sure, especially in super flex leagues, like all on board with, because he does have the rushing upside. He does have the accuracy. He does have the arm strength. He looked every bit of a pro quarterback when I watched him.
1: I think, I think if there's a six quarterback that goes round one, it's going to be Kellen Mond. I think, just just speaking on you know on your points hopper, I think like you're gonna find teams that are gonna fall in love, you know, from a mentor standpoint, from a you know, from a leadership standpoint that he showed. Obviously you would like to see more from a production, but you know, he like he's got rushing upside and that's really the only thing that I'm looking for outside of, you know, draft capital is you know, can these quarterbacks provide me a rushing floor when they get an opportunity? So he lands in a spot that has a chance for him to see year one starting opportunity is John listed off some of the teams that he could be like a Kellen Mon is someone that you can easily get in the mid to late second and super flex drafts. Um, I don't know if Trass is going to perform or not. Uh, I think the couple that I've done in moxie is so Mon is going to be at value, especially if, if he does go top 50, if he does land into an, an offense that has a questionable quarterback room. Does anybody else have anything else before we move on? I think we've beat yeah. these quarterbacks to a dead fucking Yeah,
0: uh, yes. Absolutely. I have one other thing. The best part about Jamie Newman's tape was the fact that Pat McAfee called one of the games. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go on to this beer review Let's let our guests, uh, I guess, give their chops on, on doing reviews.
0: Should we, like set a template here? Or? No, I, I mean, I, I thought you would or, just play the drop and then they go into. You it. just want them to go first? Well, let's
1: have them go first, because I know what it's like to go last and everyone steal your thunder. So Except
0: we're not all reviewing the same beer, <laughs> so that doesn't happen.
1: No. Fine, we'll go first.
0: So I'm just saving you guys from that, because you put people on the spot to do a beer review without hearing somebody else do one first and kind of getting that that blueprint there, it's a little weird
1: so that's true trying not to make it
0: trying not to make it any more weird for him than it already is when we're like openly (laughs) discussing this on a live stream while we're recording on (laughs) which way we should do this so you know production (laughs) meetings and stuff
1: production meeting beer field staple
0: beer review
1: This is why I, this is why I love Chris so much. Why don't you Why don't you kick us off, buddy? Why don't, why don't, don't I show
0: him how it's done? All right. Why don't you show us how it's done? <clears throat> That's fine, because then I can go grab a new beer when you do, while you do yours. All right. Um, so this is called if you're not into yoga. It's from Illuminated Brew Works, white stout, coconut and pineapple in it. Checking in at thirteen percent. Does not drink like thirteen percent. I got the drunk hiccups, even though I'm not buzzed at all. <laughs> For some reason, while I was talking about Kellen Mond, which made that whole thing accurate, um, <laughs> this beer has all of the upside of Kellen Mond, though. Uh, it, it is absolutely delicious. Um, at thirteen percent, it does not drink like thirteen percent. Um, it's a, a big got some big pineapple flavor without really being tart. Um, you know, and it's not like that hoppy pineapple flavor you pick up out of IPAs. It's definitely ad drunk pineapple, but it's not. Not super tart or super sweet. Um, It's just a real nice, pleasant pineapple flavor. The coconut's there a little bit. Um, I will say it's a little bit weird for a white stout. This is going to be another style rant, Dan. So part of the, a white stout, all it really is, is it's an ale that (coughs) you get stout flavors out of, like your normal roastiness and things like that. Which is usually done through adjunct ads of like coffee or lights amount of roasted grain or um, chocolate. So to have a a white stout that is done with sweet adjuncts to me is really just I, I, I'm guessing it's a white stout because of the alcohol percentage is why they called it that. Because the traditional style the traditional style of white stout, which is not a BJCP-recognized style, by the way, but what you typically expect, like a J.P. Casper's, which is kind of the measuring stick for this, is you'd expect some some roastiness along with it. And this is really like an imperial ale with pineapple and coconut. So take a little bit of issue, kind of like I did with uh, 4204's turtle and like we have with a couple beers in the past, about the way that this is named from a style perspective, because I don't think it fits what a white stout is. But as far as the beer goes and what I'm actually drinking and throwing the style guidelines out the window because style guidelines be damned, yeah, it's fine. a really good beer that doesn't drink as high in alcohol content as it is, that's very tropical, very drinkable, and could be super fucking dangerous if I wanted to drink the other four of them tonight.
1: <laughs> I think you should. Uh, right. I think I'm
0: going to go get some Scrimshaw. All
1: right, so why don't you go get a very delicious Pilser? Again, for those that have, uh, that may have joined in late, I am drinking Jackie O's Sunless Sea. This is a 13.1% double stout. uh, Hold on, let me get up notes here. It is brewed with lactose and brown sugar, aged in American whiskey casts. And then the beer is conditioned on vanilla beans, almonds, uh, cardamom, cinnamon, and uh, coriander. This is kind of a, it's a, not a true adjunct bomb the beer itself doesn't have anything added to it it's the beer is actually finished on these uh you know on these beans or on these the, the salt or on the different nuts that they've used here so the f- the flavors are a bit muted to it um nose wise we get a uh, chocolate you get a little bit of char to it obviously american whiskey so it's not shocking that it is um and Then you get a little bit of the heat from the alcohol to it, uh, mouth wise. You get a lot of roasted chocolate. You do get, you, you know, you do get the vanilla. You do get the cinnamon. Kind of just balances it through. It's very, it's very roasty. Like it, you know, with it being a double style, you got double the ingredients. That that, that makes a lot of sense. That you're gonna get, you know, pretty heavy of the dark chocolate notes that come through this but the cinnamon really does a good compliment job. And I think that's more so due to it being aged on cinnamon instead of just having cinnamon added to it. So, um, i you got a question for you when it comes to adding in adjuncts instead of aging it or instead of aging or instead of adding it, but aging the beer on, on these adjuncts, is there, what are the true differences? You have an idea of what the differences should be. Is there, I'm guessing it's because a lot of the, uh, the flavor profiles are going to be kind of muted through it and not be so dominant as it being added to the actual brew. Uh,
0: so, yeah, well, it, and it really depends, right? Because when you talk adjuncts, you can add them in the boil, you can add them in secondary fermentation. Okay. Um you can add them in bottling. I mean, there's no real rule on when you have to add adjuncts, but the difference is is when you age a beer um on these adjuncts versus when you add them in directly, you're, you're essentially right. You're going to mute the flavors and it's going to have a chance to kind of marry and blend a little better versus being infused, if you will. So, um, you know, if I, and also just with time, um, the sharpness of some of those adjuncts wears off. If you've ever had a fruited beer and then you've revisited it in three or four weeks, you're going to notice that the fruit notes are, are more muted and it's kind of the same thing, but it really gives it a chance to, to marry together kind of into the backdrop of the beer versus being more of a of a type of flavor type infusion where it's a little bit more prominent
1: and this age is it's aged for 19 months so
0: yeah what was it what was it aged on again sorry i was upstairs
1: it was it 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 doesn't say what barrels it used but it's aged in american whiskey casts and it's aged or i guess it's conditioned on as it says in the bottle yeah vanilla beans almonds uh, cardamom, cinnamon, and uh, coriander.
0: So, condition means that while they were letting it kind of rest and ferment before being bottled and everything, that it was sitting on those. Which okay. is more the infusion style. When you age it, like with a barrel, you—it's it, a marriage.
1: Okay. All right. Who wants to go? Sam. Sam was up there
0: smiling. I think I should call on him.
1: All right, Sam. Sam, you're up to bat, buddy. Let's don't. Don't feel too much pressure after uh, our uh, after uh, ours. After those none reviews. at all. No pressure. I've, no I've pressure, buddy. A,
2: I've added a third beer. <laughs> I'm just thinking, uh, I got. I got. I got these three because I, I felt like I should have like a nice trio of, of things to choose from because I've never drank any of these before and okay. I wasn't sure I would like any of them. What's like the third like said, one? Uh, the, the third one is a, is called Screaming Reels. It's an it's another mm. IPA. It's it's brewed right right here near me in Delray Beach, Florida. Nice. So, uh, actually, literally like ten minutes away from me. Uh, it's a nice India Pale Ale. But um, I'll start with the one I've enjoyed the most, which is the Golden Monkey. Um, it's it, the nose is loaded with a Belgian yeast character, a banana and clove, with an equally fruity body, balanced with a light earthy hop character. Savor notes of orange and spice, drop, followed by a dry finish. So, if you're listening on the
0: podcast, you think you just gave that review. If you're listening on YouTube, you saw him reading it off the can. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> he did none
1: of that. He totally picked. It. Unless
0: you're on the oh wait no, I just gave your secrets out on the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast. None of that happened.
2: <laughs> hey you know so, I, <laughs>
0: I already um, forgot what it said so i can't even help you out with the styling there
2: it's very good it's very good it, it, it is a little fruity you can you can tell that you can tell that it's a little fruity but uh you know i, I think it's very good for you know and, and it doesn't really you know 10 percent 9.5 percent's is a lot for me you know like, like i said i'm used to drinking guinea. that's like mm, four, and a half. four and a
0: half five yeah
2: so yeah, so it's not a ton for me, uh, and, and you know I can usually hold my hold my liquor, so I'm not that I'm not that heavily buzzed. I have drank three of them this show so far. You're doing
0: better than Shane.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Shane also I, turned
1: to bourbon. So, I think. Yeah, no, he you know, started
0: like, chugging Shane, slow in a while. Yeah.
1: Oh
2: yeah, so that's right. Shane was the one who who gave me the idea to ask Dan to come on this show originally and, and shane told me this 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 show completely turned him off alcohol for the time being so he's he's sticking to water oh no shane barrett
0: get back go back a couple episodes that was a fun one with him and uh roto lounge
2: oh
1: shane sorry
2: shane's shane's my co-host On a youtube series we do so uh we've had a couple good laughs about my preparation for this he told me to bring a lot of water uh i have a a nice full chick-fil-a cup of water right here that i have been you know i think rumor is still hung over from that episode uh i I felt bad for Shane when he told me how how uh how fucked up he got on this show so it was entertaining
1: uh, it was (laughs) We got but, to watch the
2: train wreck. Happen. Sorry.
0: I just have to get that copyright claim in <laughs> once a month. <laughs>
2: Anyways, uh, you know, this golden monkey is very good. I'm, I'm not really sure what else, what else to say. Uh, you know, uh, the peanut butter chocolate milk stout I had was also good. Like I said, it was coffee, uh, cocoa, roasted peanuts, uh, toffee, raisins, a very good mix, mix of things. Uh, again, you know, the combination, the combination of these has been very nice. Mm. Uh, it's you know, it's not making me feel like like I've had uh, four 10 percent beers. So,
0: Belgian yeast, coriander, and uh, and orange peel, by the way, are pretty standard in Belgian beers. It's close to a blue yeah, moon. basically, I, I'm, I'm a big blue. I, I like yeah.
2: blue moon. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty used to that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, I, I like it overall. It's been very good. I, I'd highly recommend it. And uh, you know, this will probably be one of my my night, my uh, next go-to beer is that you know I kind of get addicted to. So, you know, th- this is a, this is a nice one. I highly recommend the Golden Monkey.
4: All
2: right, John. John. All right, John. All right.
3: Well, I had to move on from the uh, Insane Rush IPA that I started the night with. Uh, it's a little. It it's very hoppy, which is the. It's, it, that's okay. It also is very dry, mm-hmm. which I I hmm. don't love. don't do dry. Yeah,
2: I have to uh, expect that from a gluten-free beer, though, right?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of think so. the The alternative, though, I moved on to uh Holidayly Brewing Company's favorite blonde, <laughs> which is, I mean, we've been shitting on Mac Jones a lot tonight. This is kind of the Mac Jones, <laughs> McCorkle, of-
1: <laughs> McCorkle. <laughs> This is the McCorkle of beers. Is McCorkle <laughs> is of that what you're about McCorkle to say? McCorkle
3: blonde um yeah i mean you know five percent alcohol uh that's definitely it's important. like it's on a base of millet and buckwheat there's like a hint of citrus to it but it's i mean this is just like a table beer there's like nothing offensive about it it's very light just kind of it's just kind of there it's just like that and that's kind of what mac jones is gonna be he's 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 there there's a we need a quarterback hey there's one just kind of sitting there so yeah, that's that's essentially uh what I've got going here with the uh Holidayly favorite blonde. It's uh it's it it's very light, very easy to drink, um a little bit of a smoky aftertaste, but I mean honestly, there's just
1: not a whole lot to it.
0: So it is the Mac Jones of beers.
1: Yep. It is. It's <laughs> the Mac Jones Kyle Trask of beers.
0: Davis Webb, by the way, was the first quarterback we used boring on. We call them the vanilla ice cream Davis of quarterbacks. God, yeah. Fuck <laughs>
1: Davis
0: Webb. Ugh. That was all the way back in 2017.
1: Uh, when I was even worse at this. All right. Mm,
0: I mean, First Deshaun time. Kaiser was your quarterback one, but we're not going to talk about we're that. We're not
1: going to talk about my inability to scout quarterbacks because let's be real. I'm still pretty bad at it. Um, <laughs> Let's let's move on to running backs. Uh, you know, We've been at this for a while here, so let's, w- let's get through this. So 21 class deemed pretty, pretty weak. I'm on most people. Obviously, there, there's some out there that like it, but, you know, it gets a lot of comparisons. I feel like and Let's Get right
0: Through team. This was a great way to kick off this segment because that's yeah, what it's going to feel like here as we get into let's get mid this mid so Let's get through my this. My first
1: question, Let's just I'm just going to ask you guys, how like how bad is this class in your guys' mind? Just, just how bad?
0: Uh, um, it's, not, it's more unsure, right, sure. to me. Because when I look at this class, you've got three guys that I look at and say, yeah, I can reasonably assume these are going to produce. And then there's another one, two, three, four guys that there's a little more risk associated to, but you're not going to be surprised if they do. And then you get beyond that. And And then Jamar Jeffersen. Yeah, Jamar Jefferson last always, um, but you get beyond, you know, you get beyond those next four guys, and then there's just this tier of people that are, you know, small or old, but hyper athletic, or old but produced, and you're not really gonna sort them out until after the NFL draft, in my opinion, because I mean. My running backs eight through 15 all have some path where I look at them and say, yes, they could be productive for at least one year. They could at least at minimum give you a James Robinson year where you immediately try to trade them afterwards, which is what you should be doing with James Robinson, by the way, Um, you know, where, (coughs) where they, (coughs) they can have potentially that type of upside. So to me, Bad is subjective because you never really know if a class is bad. But this class definitely lacks a lot of the surefire. You know, I can't say that there's gonna be I can't say it's gonna be worse than the twenty nineteen class, right? Which is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um I you know, we could look back and say this is better than twenty nineteen. We could look back and say, Okay, yeah, we did get seven or eight guys here that you know, we're productive for at least one season, and I wouldn't be surprised. But good luck telling me which seven or eight that's going to be right now, because I can oh, name three of them probably for sure, and the other five is going to be a damn crapshoot.
1: I'd be shocked if we get more than if we get more than five. Sam, Sam, John, what are you guys' thoughts on this class as a whole?
2: Ooh, I'm high. I mean, I'm high on the top three. Obviously, but after that it starts to peter off. I got six in my list that can be starters right away. Sure. Uh, that that list will end with that list will end with Gamewell, Carter, and Sermon. Uh, Sermon's a nice, interesting one for me. Not not really many people are talking about him.
0: Sermon's right yeah. at the back end of that tier. I just said it. people that are old or injury prone or have something right. that's just like but, but he, could be. He,
2: he checks all the boxes of what you want in a lead back. He kind of strikes me as that, uh, you know, he's kind of up in that David Johnson type of frame, 6'1, 225, uh, you know, right around there. Uh, and he strikes me as a guy who could really come in and, and be your lead back if he lands in the right place, thinking like in, in, Ar- or in Atlanta in like the second or third, or not the second or third round, more like the third or fourth round. Um, I really think he could. He there's a very strong possibility he could be the fourth guy off the board in this class. I I'm sure we're all you know going some combination of Javante, Etienne, and Naji in the for our top three. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it it becomes a little murky after that. So you kind of have to pick and choose to find
4: mm-hmm.
2: where your fantasy producers are going to be. So, I like those three. Hubbard is right there on the edge for me, but uh, it, he's so dependent on where he lands, so he's he's a tier below. But I I have those six guys as my as my top guys, and I, you know it, it's really gonna depend where they land. I think I think Javante Williams is the number one back in this class, and that's not a popular okay. opinion from what I've seen. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Najee Harris, <laughs> nah, Harris is number one, f- mostly and pretty clearly. And it, it, for me, it, it's it's an odd, it's an odd, it's an odd reasoning that Javante is one. It's purely because of his age.
0: Young, I'm which I, I don't. He's one of the younger. I'm not. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, John. What I'm are not your not in ages?
2: I promise uh, you, I'm not in ages. John, what are, what are your thoughts on yeah. this? Najee is 23.
0: What are your thoughts on this? class
2: i mean i i think
3: that the the big issue well there's there's kind of two forces two external forces first of all you look at you know the 2020 class comparing this one to that makes that's unfair that's yeah Yeah. that's not 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 fair yeah you can't do that and 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 i think that people do kind of fall into that trap a little bit um especially I mean it like that's that's there's a little bit of a trend there like like 2019 was a down year but 2018 2017 both great or good draft yeah for running backs so but the other thing that that did is ate up a lot of a lot of opportunities we're kind of at a little bit of a saturation point We did it did They're running back right at the moment you had a lot of people
0: come out early and the people that didn't come out earlier the people that you're getting in this draft class and then here in a couple yeah. of years you're going to have that crop of freshmen that came in where the good ones are going to come out early and then a year or two after that you're going to get the leftovers
3: yeah yeah and so you know you look around mm-hmm. the nfl at the at the landing spots, and it you know it makes this class feel worse than it is because you're just like, you know, what are the opportunities available, and how much do I give a shit about that? Like you know, you, <laughs> you Miami and Pittsburgh are great opportunities for running backs. Atlanta. Okay, so there's there's two of our guys. You know, Atlanta. Even there, like they're going to kind of have to. They'd have to fight through Gurley, Mike Davis. You know. Gurley's
0: gone. No Gurley. No Gurley. No no it's just Mike Davis. Yep.
2: Oh yeah. That's and, right. and Brian Hill. And Brian. Brian Hill's yes. cut. Brian, Brian, Brian Hill's does. cut. Ito. They cut. No. no they, they cut Ito's They step.
0: cut Brian Hill too. Oh,
2: did they really? Yes. Yeah, they, they, I didn't bro. see
1: that. Wow. It, 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 it
0: just Quadri Olson. Yeah. Quadri Olson and. Wow, I didn't crazy. see it either until. Oh. That's I crazy. went and looked at their depth chart, and he wasn't there. And then I looked at the bottom of it, and it said we had him listed yeah. as a cap casualty. That is so the worst, uh, it's Quadri Olison and Mike Davis, and that's it.
1: That's the
3: worst yeah, back interesting football. I did not know
2: that.
0: Yeah.
1: So that, that, that helps.
3: <laughs> that helps that one a little bit. It does. Um, yeah, that
2: makes, yeah. Like,
3: but, you know, even even some of the, the kind of the next tier opportunities, like San Francisco and Arizona, it's like, you know, there's still agent. There's mm-hmm. some depth there, you know. Um, That they're going to have to fight through. So it's like the New York Jets. That's a, that should be a, an open opportunity for whoever, but are we really going to put a whole lot of faith in the, the running back one in that situation? I like, (laughs) it just, it just makes it feel like there aren't a whole lot of difference makers coming because there aren't a whole lot of difference making situations for them to land in. Well and has, you know, hasn't
0: bad that, that been the case the last couple of years though I mean we looked at J.K. Dobbins, jo- DeAndre Swift Jonathan Taylor as hmm. different ma- difference makers and well Taylor eventually was and Swift flashed I mean they were still they still had to fight for positioning and fight for carries and ultimately didn't get them and that's what we're going to in the NFL landscape and that's kind of going to be my I know you're not ageist but that's kind of going to be my rebuttal to the age argument just in general is that you can make the age argument for long term if running backs are being valued past their first contract but they're freaking not so you're going to get Najee Harrison here is going to go four years not have his fifth year option picked up and then be cast off to god knows where at 27 years old essentially and that's not that's the worry. and that's not so old that you're not in your prime but running backs just aren't getting contracts like they used to so i care less about age with running backs probably than maybe than i should but because i don't assume that any of these guys are going to be valued past their first contract anyway so i'm not worried about them getting to 30 before the next guy because I just assume that once their first contract's up, they're pretty much done.
3: Yeah, I'd like. Yeah, unless I tend to agree with that, like I'm in the same, bulb, like, I, 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 the same I, I do know that you know age breakout age you know stuff like that like it, it they are they are indicators historically. Yes, breakout so, age is, know, but you know, so we kind of use that. But mm. yeah, I like in terms of for running, to me, the running back position is the one. That the age doesn't matter nearly as much as the usage,
0: right? Quarterback's the, the other one because you can play until you're forty, but right. yeah, if you're really good, if you're really good, we'll see well, how I it plays with these not I athletic didn't guys. Take but, so long to break out, yeah, like
1: so. Hmm. Running backs, it, it's it's tough because <laughs> you look at a guy like Miles Sanders who played behind, you know, Barkley. Like it's the reason why it took to a senior year for him to break. And
0: wide receivers with age, the problem is, is how do they play? Because if they're not refined, you end up with Des Bryant mm-hmm. who. Who hits that middle stage of his career where at or his athleticism leads him, and then he's just on. Yeah. And so,
1: like, yeah. and the age of those receivers are also coming off, but that's yeah. that's, that's for. But any,
0: anyway, the other thing with running backs, I, I guess those are my two points. Is one, who does land in a situation to be a difference maker now, because like you mentioned, John, there's three spots where they're going to land, and there's true opportunity at potentially being a bell cow, and if they go out and draft. Let's say that the Falcons go out and don't draft Williams, Et, or Harris, and they end up with a Gainwell or a, a Kylan Hill or a, a Hubbard. You're not looking at that and saying they're the unquestioned starter. You're looking at that and saying, yeah, Mike Davis might have some value this year, and that's that's <laughs> kind of the problem. I'm
2: more say that i more say that backfield's untouchable if they land with one of those second guys. I feel
1: like, I, yeah, I feel that way about Arizona too.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, yeah and I, if Arizona drafts any of those any of the top six guys, you're looking at like an unusable backfield because well, there's enough draft capital in there to make Edmonds enough of a question in there.
0: But they're not, but they're not untouchable for Dynasty because what you're going to bank right. on later on is if they do take a guy that late, they, you're just drafting, you know, running backs, if you're taking them beyond the first round in this draft, you're drafting hoping they hit at some point and then you can move on from them. And right. yeah, so let's get into some of these uh, individual guys, Dan. All
1: right. So let's uh, let's do our top two tiers. Okay, Obviously, this is like I still think this is a very shallow class. There's a lot of question marks for me beyond my first two tiers. I'll start off. I'll start off real quick here. So my tier one is, you know, is Harris and ETM. You know, mm-hmm. these guys were talked about as top tier guys coming into last year's class. You know, you know, Harris and ETM were both baked in into that top six, top seven. Um, I had them both higher than, you know, than CEH. I was, I was actually pretty low on them. Um, and then you go into guys like Javonta Williams and then Gainwell for me. I, I, I am a, a Gainwell through, through, you know, fooling, you know, fooling through. I've been that way since his freshman season at Memphis. Like I, I absolutely love Kenny Gainwell. At thought of that point, though, it, it's a massive question mark. So those are my top four. Those are my two tiers john you've had the least amount of talk time on your buddy um <laughs> so why don't you get into your uh you know your top two tiers of uh of backs here first of all
3: i'm i'm never hurting for talk time i'm good um <laughs> <laughs> especially now i've got the super show all to myself yeah. you know um but yeah i mean like it's it's really just kind of four guys i guess for the top two tiers because i'm with you i mean, Harris Etienne are kind of one A one B for me. Yep. All I'm alone right in that t- all alone in that tier. Um and then tier two, it's it's really just two guys. I actually do have Trey Sermon ahead of Javante Williams. Ooh, um wow. just just kind of an all around, all purpose back. Um but you know, I, I yeah, it kind of ends with those guys. i like there are a handful of guys you know, Michael Carter, Kenny, Kenny, Gain, uh, Kenny Gainwell, you know, guys like that, that uh, Chuba Hubbard is still very interesting to me. Um, it, it, I, I don't know. It's uh, it feels way too early to have bailed as hard as we did on Chuba Hubbard, <laughs> but you know, I don't think that any of them quite crack the the top two tiers for me.
0: I mean, if you're asking for, for my top two tiers, it's Najee Harris, ETN in tier one, and Javonta Williams is like tier two. And then you get to tier three, which is where I have um, Michael Carter, Kylin Hill, Kenneth Gainwell, Chuba Hubbard. Okay. Um, it, and I think that's a fair amount of depth because my tier three is the giant one that runs like RB eight through RB 15 for me, <laughs> which is sure. where it could be anybody. But as far as the guys in Hubbard's a weird one too, because he's kind of out in the middle of those two tiers. And Williams is a weird one. Cause he's in the middle kind of between one and two, which is why I have him in his own tier. But you know, I could easily wrap him up into that top tier. If I, if I was, was going to, I'd wrap Williams into the top tier before I wrapped him into the second tier. So for the sake of discussion, and at least talking people, my top tier is going to be Harris, Etienne, Williams. I'll go ahead and put Williams in that upper tier. Okay. Second tier, Carter, Hill, Gainwell, Hubbard. What about you, yeah. Sam? What are your top two, uh, three well, tiers? I,
2: I have Javante Williams as my RB1, like yeah. I said. And, and, and it, really, it really comes down to his age, because the only place I'm ages when I'm playing fantasy football is at running back because of the such the short shelf life of our running backs here. So my my tiers go Najee and Javante and it, they're really interchangeable. Sure. I'm okay with either of them as my R B one. If I end up with either of them in Dynasty, um or redraft, I'm so okay with either of them, I could not care less at this point. If the only thing that the only caveat is that if Najee goes to Pittsburgh, whoever goes to Pittsburgh is my is my R B one. Of these two, If either of them go to Pittsburgh, they're my RB1, and it's it's not particularly close. Uh, ETN's in a tier by himself, only because I've heard he's so scheme-specific. He may not fit in as many places as the other two might. So I'm going to put him in his own tier, and then I'm going to round out that tier with Gamewell Carter and Sermon. Or, you know, really Sermon kind of on top of that tier. Gamewell Profiles is more of a complimentary guy. You know, he's he's more of a pass-catching back. He's very good at pass-catching, and he's a very, you know, Memphis continues to turn out RB after RB after RB after RB after RB. So I have no doubt that the game will be good. Well, RB
0: after RB after RB after RB after all RB, they really function as slot receiver after slot receiver after slot receiver after slot. I mean, hey.
1: Is,
2: is is that I'm so fine bad? If though? I mean, uh, no, they yeah. have they have he's a model. They have
0: a model, and there's an NFL blueprint for what those guys are going to be, but and it I, I works. If, so
2: I think of I think of Daryl Henderson actually wasn't stuck behind Cam Akers. He'd be a starter somewhere else.
0: And Daryl wow. Henderson shouldn't be stuck behind Cam Akers, but that's a different discussion for a different episode. Based on my feelings <laughs> about Cam Akers,
2: but but you know he's there. Uh Michael Carter is gonna be, you know, very <laughs> dependent on where he goes. He reminds me a lot of Clyde Edwards Dallaire. Uh Dion Lewis. I think I, uh,
0: See, ETN I, reminds I, me a shitload of Edwards Alaire. I think is where I, I went with that. I mean, though.
1: at least he's three inches. At least he has three inches. Yeah.
2: Well, similar you know, I, I'm, similar, I'm more comparing I'm more comparing the similar, you know, the height and weight. Uh, okay. Like,
0: uh, I was considering Tiller, I was comparing yeah, playstyle, not so much yeah, size. That's fair.
2: Yeah, I think Car—I think Carter could honestly come in and be a starter anywhere he goes. He, you know, of the guys outside the top three, he's got the best chance of becoming a starter, simply because he was able to exist with Javante Williams and be an RB one in that in that scheme along with them. They both rushed for over 1,100 yards or I think it was 1,100 yards. I'm I'm not—they're both over a thousand. I'm pretty so, sure. That's right. I think Carter is going to be really good. I think people are undervaluing him. Uh, I think the NFL
1: is going to undervalue Carter, and that's where
2: my concern absolutely. lies in.
1: Like ah, like you look man. at – so I went back and looked at the last 11 years there's been three running backs under 5'8 that have produced a top 24 season. And that's Deion Lewis, which I think is his best cop. Philip Lindsay and – Entry Cohen, which you can't really count entry Cohen. Phil Blinzy. I mean, did we count five?
2: Albert Tiler in that yet? Yeah, it easy. was. He's actually five eight. He it, like so. It, it was five But I was. And sure. it was
0: twelve hundred and forty five yards in eleven games for Michael yeah. Carter. So not I, even I, a full season.
1: I like I like Carter, but my problem is it, it's it's going to be draft capital for these backs, and it's going to be draft not capital. having the best of pro days. And I I don't have a lot of love for both. Like, I I like Javanta. I I have my concern with him if he can actually handle a full bell call workload. His highest touch is 183 touches. Like, we can look at his (coughs)
2: size and say something, something,
0: Josh Jacobs. If right? I mean, I mean, we've,
2: we've done seen it. that, though. But, we, but we've seen that before. And and the, the draft, draft capital... Jacobs are, barely held up to the, a full... Jacobs didn't the, hold up to
0: a full season. Yeah, he
2: hasn't
1: played a full season yet,
2: either. Right. Now we're talking about that, him as being... That's why I threw Josh... Draft, I, I want to talk about the draft capital. The draft capital matters so little for running backs. We've seen everything from first-round picks... The undrafted free agents. Um, bell
0: There's a relatively strong correlation to fourth round or higher, though. You do have the undrafted free agent that puts up a good season or does occasionally grab a role, but your, your high percentage is fourth round or higher. I mean, it's good because you can have a day three pick and they're not less li- any less likely to succeed than a second rounder, but...
2: We had the we had the Chris Carsons. We had the James Robinson. So we like so you know, to guys. that point is
1: so so you have that two. Chris Carson got replaced in two thousand eighteen by Rashad Penny. Yeah, he didn't he get replaced. For two years. He did though. He got re- like he would have been replaced had Penny not gotten hurt. Like it, it it's or,
2: or I mean, not So it's a replaced. matter of circumstance. So it's it a is. matter of circumstance. Well, you look at Philip Lindsay who, seasons and then got and, they, and
0: you look at Philip Lindsay who's yeah now was a free agent and then gets cast off to go sign not even two years after you're losing your shit about philip Lindsay and james robinson i think is going to meet the philip Lindsay fate and chris carson's a rarity i don't believe that he would have really gotten think james
2: robinson's going to make the, meet the philip lindsey you know, yes i do situation. i 100
0: percent do
1: for me for me for me it, it still never meet the expectations where people want to set him at like we've seen an undrafted free agent where you where you got him in the fourth round at best in your rookie drafts, and you're holding on for you know for what? Like there's been rumors of Jacksonville going running back, and like even if they don't, you have next year, you have 2023. Like he'll 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 never.
2: But if he does that again, we can toss that. If he does that again, we can toss that out the window. Okay? We, we we have Philip Lindsay then. No,
0: then you, can't, you got then Phillip you got Philip Lindsay Phillip then.
1: Lindsay, and you, now you're going with you know a running back who had multiple thousand yard seasons.
0: You got to get in Chris Carson territory yeah, before you can like throw it out in the window and say, like, yeah. or I guess Eckler. Eckler was a UDFA, The wasn't NFL
2: it? has increasingly shown that they want to move away from the workout course back. But you're <laughs> also expecting Jacksonville to make the right decision.
1: Right. Well, the right decision is to let James Robinson be your lead back and hope that it works.
2: I, I think I thought Carlos Hyde was the perfect person to. Be in there as a they get cut in August. (laughs) Yeah, he's there because of his connection to Urban Meyer, Mm -hmm. and he's there because he won't take a large amount of touches away from James Robinson. So you know,
4: we're
1: going to bring somebody in. We've read off a little bit off the rookies here, so we, um, you know, we gave our top guys, obviously. Let's give our, you know, let's give our late round guys. We, we, there's been a lot of talk for the, you know, for the top three, four, five in this, like you can search through Twitter. We can get, you know, we gave our, our talks on, you know, on these top backs, what we feel about them. So let's give, How let's we, give a shout out to some of the late round ones.
0: I mean, we just kind of said where we had them ranked. I don't know. I don't feel like we really not to shit on what you're trying to do, but I don't feel like we really talked about much from a, Player profile perspective, just that we had them ranked high.
1: Okay, then let's go back and talk about.
0: I actually, don't f- that- I actually don't feel that strongly about any of the top three to want to go back and talk about them, but oh, okay. n- <laughs> that's, that's <fine. laughs> I'm just saying for. It's a weak class. It's a for weak class. Sake, for the sake, like there are. I think. Let's put it this way. Let's just sum it up with this. Harris and Etienne are the top. It, Cube and Williams are the top three backs in some order, and Trey Sermon. No, um, <laughs> and, and damn it, Hopper, and all they right. all have all right. <laughs> significant <laughs> holes in their game. There's not a Jonathan Taylor in this class where, oh my God, he's an elite runner. There's not a, there's not a J.K. Dobbins that you're looking at and is there a game breaker? Or Swift, who is like, man, this guy could be a really complete back. There are three guys at the top of this class that all do some things well that also have some giant hole that also have some holes in their game. I think that's pretty much the summation of the top 3. For ETN, it's that he doesn't have game-breaking speed and could be scheme dependent. Um, and was never really elite for Harris, it's the pass catching ability. Um and ability and pass protection, and the fact that he's coming out at twenty three. For Williams, it's the agility and the fact that he profiles mostly as between the tackles runner. There you go, covered. Now we can move on.
3: I mean, I do notice that you didn't actually say anything negative about Trey Sermon. Okay, we can do that <laughs> too. John, 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 besides <laughs> not no, mentioning no, him. <laughs> no, I want to let John get on
1: a box and protect his new Trey Sermon. Like, we can't, we can't just shit on Trey Sermon. I mean, we can because. It's uh, your show, but it's your show. John, I want, to, <laughs> no, go ahead. I want John to soapbox Trey sermon for me and Hopper.
3: No, I mean, it I might, don't have, all, I, I, I don't have a lot to say about it other than I, like I said, I mean, I just, I think that this is the most complete back. I think this is, you know, we, we didn't get to see a whole lot of pass catching in his uh, in his college career, but you know, they're kind of weren't a whole lot of passes to be caught necessarily um in in you know shared the backfield for a lot of it as well but yeah i don't know like it, it just it, it, it's just kind of one of those guys that just you know makes his way onto the field doing one thing and next thing you know he's just kind of just kind of takes over that role you know it it's landing spot dependent but that's the case with most of these guys yeah um and i just think that uh Trey Sermon is is somebody who's going to sneak up on some people. I don't I don't have you know a whole lot of in depth analysis on it or anything. That's it's, fair. No, that's, that's
0: fair. okay. I do. <clears throat> I
3: Hopper, would.
1: why don't you give your your? Let's yeah, I I'm Sermon
0: I'm Sermon gonna together. do it, and I will preface this by saying I do see a path, especially in this class, to Trey Sermon having a viable season or two. Now, here's what I'm gonna say: the way that I so John. Sam, you guys don't know this. Our listeners do. So step one for me when I'm evaluating prospects is that I have a, a spreadsheet. It's not a true database. I'm an IT guy. If I say database, it better be a relational databases and like SQL and some shit. I have a spreadsheet of the last now 11 years. Well, not the last 11 years the 11 years preceding 2018 for running or 2019 for running backs, because I give them a couple years to really be able to categorize guys. That's um, broken out basically by, you know, was the player a superstar? Was he a bell cow? Was he a usable piece? Was he just a guy that floated around rosters, et cetera, et cetera, with all of their, college productivity, um, what their profile was coming out, what their athletic profile was coming out, et cetera, et cetera. And then sorted that by each category and kind of figured out where the drop off point was. Where's the point where you see these people drop from, you know, basically James White, Deion Lewis types of usable ancillary pieces to just being a guy that floats around on the roster. And then I went through and set that criteria. And then, as I plug people in for each year, I have a mark they have to hit, and I go through what's called the gating process. And basically, it means that you have to hit some intangible metrics, which is basically big school, small school, size, weight, or height, weight, BMI for a running back. Um, You don't have to hit all of them. You have to hit. I think for that, it's like two out of four or three out of four. Um, and then we go look at their rushing productivity, their efficiency, their high level efficiency numbers, receiving productivity, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to hit X amount of categories and something. And this is all based on looking at the last 11 years worth of data to it, to be considered above board. You have to hit clear those gates in order for me to get to film on you, or you have to catch enough hype in the fantasy community to where I feel like I need to watch you. Cause I have to have an opinion. And I don't just base my rankings off of that. That's what determines if I'm going to watch film on you or not. And then I watch film, and then I look at draft capital and what draft capital correlates to, to what typically means success, which is how I came up with like fourth round or higher for running backs, for example, and throw it all together into some composite form of opinion. Trey Sermon uh, did not clear board. The only he cleared board on his burst score, on his burst score, agility score, and his BMI. The forty time was lower than you want it to be. The speed score was lower than you want it to be. The burst score was lower, that or not the burst score. Sorry, um, the dominator rating was much lower than you want it to be. He's a guy that's spent. He's coming out at twenty two, but you know, I he is an old twenty two. Let's put it that way. Um, in forty five career games, he was below board in his career rush in his rush yards. The efficiency was there. Below board in his rush touchdowns, below board in the receiving metrics, as you mentioned, to your credit. Um and I also look at single season because there are guys that have big single seasons that go out there and then produce. And he was also below board in a lot of that. And blame Master Teague, blame whatever you will. Um but statistically he's a guy that didn't profile for me fantastically basically hit um on his size metrics and nothing else that would say hey I should watch film on him but I watched film on him because I saw plenty of people talking about Trey Sermon I watched the college football playoffs so I saw Trey Sermon you it was enough to be intriguing to make me go watch film on him and what I saw with Trey Sermon from a field from a film perspective was that he does have good, some good lateral quickness. He does have a good stiff arm. He does run with attitude. And actually, he looks okay as a pass catcher on film, even though the metrics don't necessarily back that up, which is fine because metrics don't always tell the whole story. As you said, not a lot of passes to go around, et cetera, et cetera. The biggest thing I didn't like about Troy Sermon is that when I watch his bigger games, including the one against Clemson, the offensive line is doing a lot of the opening holes and creating those big ass chunk runs he was pulling off and he wasn't necessarily doing it i thought in watching some of his other games the vision was a little inconsistent that he was missing holes he didn't quite have the quickness (coughs) to get into into cutback lanes and that because he has a longer stride it kind of hurt some of that agility and some of that ability to create for himself and on a personal level I don't like backs that I perceive that are going to struggle to create for themselves. He chunked yards. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be productive in the NFL because we see, as Sam's mentioned, we see UDFAs be productive in the NFL. And this is why Trey Sermon's still in that could be tier for me. And he's not down below that in the tier of, nah, these guys didn't hit anything. They're never going to be anything. Trey Sermon's in that could be tier because. The reason you see UDFA hits, the reason you see late round draft picks hit is because most of these guys, Rashad Penny, for example, if they have a giant asshole open for them, if they have an offensive line that can block and they can hit the hole that they're supposed to hit, they're athletic enough, they're fast enough, they're big enough, they're strong enough to actually make ways with that to make use out of that and put together a good season based on that. Trey Sermon has a path to productivity in the NFL, and he has a path to being good in the NFL. He's got to land with the line that can block, though. And, you know, I see some of that not to the same degree, and the productivity was a lot higher for Javonta Williams. But it's kind of like Javonta Williams' light in the sense of where he's going to make a lot of his hay based on what's opened up for him, and especially the fact that once you get Trey Sermon one-on-one, he's absolutely fantastic. Once you get him to the open field, he's fantastic. He runs violent. He has a great stiff arm. He has a long stride that has the ability to break away. He's got to get there. So I need Trey Sermon for me to move him to the tip-top of that, which he could get there, to the tip-top of that could-be tier. I just need to land some someplace that is going to have opportunity and that's going to be able to block for him because I think with a little bit of help, he can be damn good, but he's not somebody I look at like some of these other guys like a Gainweller, Carter, or a Kylan Hill, where I see the you know uh, agility or the athleticism to be able to do some creating on his own. He does break tackles, but most of them are open field tackles. It's not a lot of shit going down at the line there. So that's my Trey Sermon soapbox. And, you know, don't want to shit all over it because I definitely see where you're coming from. There are things to like there. It's just no.
3: It's it's good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of that stuff you can kind of say about all running backs. Yes, you can. Um, burst tells me a lot more than speed. It does for running backs. Um, speed, speed. Honestly, like speed is uh, might be the most overrated but, metric that we uh, have. For agility
0: and burst, and and again, this so is going in Sermon's favor. Agility and burst are by far. The two mm-hmm. metrics for a running back that correlate more so than anything else to yep. success is agility and burst. Yep. Yeah, and if you couple and the that ability with,
3: to catch the ball,
1: like yeah, that's that's the like you need you that know. nowadays more so than ever. Yeah, as, as more offices are going more, I'm more of that college friendly where they're moving away from pro style to all right. We have our quarterback. Let's not have them, um, you know, anticipate throws or throw players open. Let's spread them out. <coughs> Let guys make more sense, and 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 that's why I, I love Gamewell so much because he fits, yeah, where the NFL is moving to. And you have a running back who's put on thirty pounds or so since his, his freshman year, and he hit, and he was able to eclipse the two hundred plus pound mark to where he could eventually. Hopefully,
0: and it play didn't at a higher play and it way. didn't kill his prote, but no, he can get a great prote. Uh, back to Burst and agility in Trey Sermon, though. Um, it's why I believe in a hybrid model. If you're doing analysis, you can't rely solely on the analytics or you can't rely solely on film. Because I can see a guy be agile and have good burst on film, um, Dimitri Felt and Puka Williams, that then go out and test, and it doesn't at all back up what you see on film. And then that's a red flag, and you have a reason to have concern. With a guy like Trey Sermon, it's kind of the opposite. You look at the analytics, and you say the burst is there, the agility is there. But the other thing, the third component that I need to see for that to be like, damn, this guy is going to be good, is I need to watch your film and see that you also have the vision to put that to good use. You know, you have the agility to. Maybe see a hole open up here that isn't where the play is designed to go, but if you don't have the vision to deploy that agility to do it, then it's wasted. And it, you know, Jeremy McNichols, good example of this. Sorry, Dan. So it's just one of those things where you got to put it all together, and you know, you can't truly tell what somebody's seeing when you're watching film. It's a best guess. People like analytics because it's firm. It's not based on an opinion and film is entirely based on opinions what i see may not be what you see yeah but yeah cuz i i
3: i do see the kind of the same thing as you um i i just I, I kind of value it differently sure i like the i i like seeing a running back who makes a quick decision and goes with it yeah, I, I. You don't want a banana on it. Shit out of me when they're just dancing in the backfield, waiting yeah, for a it, hold it open. Is, up. I, I agree. There's
0: a balance between the two things, honestly. Yeah,
3: for sure. Yeah, for yep. sure. But yep. no, that's great analysis, Hooper uh, Hopper. I I like yeah. that a lot. Thanks. Um,
2: Calling you Hooper yeah. from now that on. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Bowler. Austin's my brother. <laughs> this little five percent gluten free beer. <laughs> So All right, I switch mean, a little. I, mean, I, I mean, switch. John, I, I, I to <laughs> a little
0: five percent Pilsner that won our NCAA bracket of beers. So,
2: right, you yeah. can't, can't front on John's gluten free beer. It's not his fault. No, <laughs> goddamn body's fault. <laughs> so,
0: outside of Trey Sermon, there's a couple guys just to keep this this kind of moving and hopefully put a bow on it eventually. You mentioned Gainwell. Um I like Kylan Hill. We just let John go on Trey Sermon. Dan, why don't you go on Kenneth Gainwell, and then I'll go on on Kylan Hill. Sam, you can go on somebody you have, and then I want to touch on some of that third tier, which is going to be a quick hitter. Um, of just, yeah, just gonna here's some other names guys. to know, but that's about it. Go ahead so and for, give your Gainwell take.
1: So for Gainwell, it, it, it really stems to what his production was in his one and only season in Memphis. Like, yes, there's concern about. He had one full productive season, but what he was able to accomplish in the backfield that he shared with Antonio Gibson was absolutely insane. One of two backs only produced over 2000 yards from scrimmage. Other one is Jonathan Taylor. He's not Jonathan Taylor, but what he was able to accomplish as a receiving back as a runner, um, between the tackles outside the tackles, um, the guy can literally do it all. Uh, I think he had 56 receptions as a freshman um, sorry, fifty one ish. He only has seven touches as a true freshman, but it's a red shirt. It's where all, that all came together. He tests over two hundred pounds, or, or or he comes in over two hundred pounds. He runs to four four nine. Um, he, he hits all the metrics that you want to see. Size so adjusted speed is important. Forty time is not, but where they're at comparative is it, it's where, you know, that metric becomes you know predictive. And just the landscape and what he's going to fall into is that if he's going to get the draft capital, he's going to go day two. I think there's a very strong chance he does go second round where I I do believe, though, he's going to end up going round three. Um, I think he's a guy that if he does land into a competitive backfield, he can find a way, you know, to replace those guys. He goes to Arizona, he's going to replace as a better overall Chase Edmonds. He's shown the ability to handle a full-touch workload. He's shown the ability to be used in the passing game, whether that be as a slot receiver or an outside receiver. He's shown the ability to be highly valuable in space, and if he lands in a team like Arizona that can spread him out, all you have to hope for is that Kyler Murray and that offense actually passes to the running back. Well, there's going to be a lot of you know mismatches for him because he's going to be a mismatch to most linebackers and safety that he's lined up against. So for you know for you know for Gainwell, you got to hope that the draft capital holds that the landing spot holds. But in a wide open running back class, yes, I I I have him in the same tier as Williams. That there is an opportunity for him to be the best overall back from this weak class. Robert, why don't you go and uh, you can soapbox Kylan, and I will share probably same feelings for him.
0: Okay, yeah. Kylan Hill um, is really more of a film guy for me than a statistics guy for me. He did have the productivity. Um, the pro day was a little it, 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 iffy. There were some things that lesser. were good. There were some things that were bad. It was a mixed bag there. But Kylan Hill is a lot like, tra- to, for me, like Trey Sermon is for John and it's the in the right situation, I think he could absolutely just, just take off. First off, five eleven two fifteen. 215, he checked in size-wise better than I was anticipating. I actually need to update that. I think five he's eleven 5, two 214. 5'10", 214, 5, 5, 2, we're right, which actually works out better from a BMI perspective. Yep, um, but he's an explosive runner, had good acceleration speed and agility that showed up. The agility is the one thing that didn't show up in the pro day that did show up on on film. But the acceleration, speed, and burst was all there. He was a good pass protector. And, you know, you fantasy guys are probably sitting back there saying, well, what the hell do I care if you pass protects well? Here's why you <laughs> care, because it gets them on the field. If you can pass protect, they're going to be comfortable putting you on the field on third down. For a guy like Kylan Hill, that's the difference between having weekly flex value versus not seeing the field, is can you pass protect or not. That he did good at that. Um is' an adept pass catcher um which is the NFL moves more spread is a big thing and, and in the open field I thought he set up blocks really well um made guys miss obviously showed some of that burst showed the jets kept his feet moving between the tackles so he what <laughs> wasn't just an outside guy he definitely could work a little bit between the tackles and he sees holes and gets downhill quick um and with a lot of these agility guys, again, going back to something John mentioned, you don't want to see him banana running or doing a whole shitload behind the line and taking plays at a loss. If you're going to be an agility guy, you need to use that agility, but you got to have a quick read still. If you're not going to the hole where the play was designed, you still got to have a quick read and get downhill. You can't just run left or right because you don't gain yards running left or right. Um, he does occasionally miss a chance to cut up field. That's a little bit of a vision issue. It's not a huge one. Uh, and it is kind of a what have you done for me lately type scenario because after the second game of the season, he got hurt and he opted out. So you don't have a 2020 profile to go on with Kylan Hill. You're mostly working off of 2019. But overall, he's a guy that I think if he lands in the right spot, is going to. And that's what it means for a lot of these guys because they're going to have to land in a spot that executes their skill set well. Like, Hill's a guy I wanted to see land in Arizona because of. The more spread out type of pass catching style that I think they're going to run. Hill's a guy that, in the right spot, I think is really going to take off, and I think that there's a lot there to like about him. Is if you're, you know, picking through th- these guys like Trey Sermon, Kenneth Gainwell, et cetera, et cetera, that you're looking at behind the top three.
1: I love Kyle Neal. Like, like if there's a back that I'm willing to take a chance on in that late, the late second round, the early third round in my rookie drafts. he lands into a favorable spot, it's going to be him. Three games in 2020, 29 targets. Like, yes, we can't go off of just three games. They also shipped him Mike Leach, which is obviously known for his A-rate offense. But you can't, you know, go against a guy that's shown the pass catching prowess that put together a full-on production profile. He had, what, 1,500 yards as a runner, you know, the year before. It's whether or not he's going to get the draft capital. And that's really going to be where it is for these running backs as, you know, as a whole. Sam, why don't you, for the last time, tee us off? Give us one back beyond your top list that you have some interest in. I like Jared
2: Patterson. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <playing for you.
0: laughs>
2: God damn it, uh, Sam. You know, Sam. Nobody, what the nobody hell? said his name, his entire this entire list. Yeah, there's, there's a freaking
0: reason I didn't say his name. We hadn't gotten to the bottom rating. of the list yet.
2: I promise you. <laughs> he's, there, there's a reason why you should be looking at
1: Jerry. 40% dominator rating?
0: Uh, Is it because? It's
2: that it's, yeah. that. it's the fact that he's had three straight thousand yard plus seasons, including the 1,800 yard season in 2019. It's the fact that he's got uh, 52 rushing touchdowns in the last three years. It's, it's all of that. So for me, if Jared Patterson is that guy that, you know, he, he's he's definitely a shot. Nobody knows if he's going to be good.
0: Uh, well, I would bet not. But,
2: but obvi- obviously, obviously, the odds are stacked against him. The last guy we saw that was his small, it was Donnell Pumphrey coming out of San Diego State. He and and
0: how'd that go? We remember Donnell Pumphrey. <laughs> God damn it. I like to Pumphrey. I like Donnell Pumphrey. His tape was out actually year, good
2: out of the year within a year out of the league within a year. His I, tape was actually I'm good well, though. Unlike he, Jared Patterson. very good. But Jared Patterson has the production. So I like Jared Patterson as, as a potential. I know he's tiny. I, I know he he doesn't have any of, you know, he's not an analytic starling, but I don't give a shit about analytics you know i i care about what i see on the field and what i see is that jared patterson who runs hard you know he run, he can do just about anything in between the tackles he's not going to offer you much as a pass catcher he didn't in college you know zero I'm, targets in 2020 i saw that but he did break the he did almost break the record for most so he's some IJP, right?
0: Okay. Do you want an actual note I have on Jarrett Patterson's film? I would love to hear. I would
2: love to hear.
0: <laughs> if this were porn, not I'm football. Not if this were porn, not football, he would be fired for hitting the wrong hole too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hit the belly button, Jarrett. You hit the belly button. He went into the, the, the ear China.
0: when he should have went, into the, went into the. ear.
1: He
2: went into the ear. And not the vagina. Actually,
0: the first note I had, and Dan will appreciate this, was oh, good this year's Kalen Balaj because he had an eight Adam touchdown game.
1: Oh. Adam had him at this year's Devin Singletary.
0: I had a note on him that says Wait. he has enough speed to run through holes that look like they're open for, by Moses.
2: He just <laughs> needs a <laughs> shot, I promise you. He's you still- know, he's
1: going to Buffalo,
2: yeah. he's, he's going to he- go to Buffalo. And but that's of course, shit this is home. I'd rather see I'd rather see Jared Patterson than either of those two guys. And and honestly, I grew up with Devin Singletary. I went to high school with the guy. Oh, you did? Of course, he he was a he was a freshman when I was a, a senior, but sure. I still I saw him. You know, I went to American Heritage. So uh not not the not the plantation one, not where everyone good goes. I went to the Delray one where, you know, we recruit some of the talent, but not all of the talent. But uh, it remains it remains to be said that Jarrett Patterson, you know, is one of those guys who's going to be a day three pick. But he could have a shot. He just needs a shot.
0: <laughs> would you like me to say yeah. something positive about Jarrett Patterson?
2: I think Sam since you said nothing, something but negative about him, I'm sure I would love. He's him. not
0: the I'm worst guy I watched.
2: Okay, that's. There yes, are two people. There
0: not. No, Jamar Jefferson's ahead of him. There. Are, uh, oh,
2: God. Jamar Jefferson's ahead of him for me too.
0: I he, he's, he's, he's one spot that. ahead of him, but he's ahead of him. Uh, there are two people <coughs> behind him actually, Elijah yeah. Mitchell and Trey Regis.
2: I like Elijah Mitchell. I like him, Elijah Mitchell. I was he, thinking about throwing him out there, Uh, but I just don't know enough about Mitchell. I know a little bit more about Patterson.
0: Okay, let me see if I can give you some notes on Elijah Mitchell here. Hold on. Let's see if I have anything witty written down about him. I know I have some about Trey
1: size, He's got the size and he's athletic. I think that's why people like him.
2: Mitchell, I've seen some people rank him as their wife. Actually, you know what?
0: You know what? I didn't really have anything wittily bad about Elijah Mitchell. I watched him because of the athletic profile. And he profiled really well, honestly. Um, I just yeah, thought that I, saw people him as he's, I just thought he to struggled to get to the second level. He struggled to get into his space, into space, which is where his skills really show off. Is when he's in space. He's but you know if you don't get there, you can't show him. Um, thought he ran upright, went down super easy. Doesn't didn't move piles. Not a ton of ability to bulldoze through contact, and not a ton of agility agility on film. And again, that just goes to translation. Trey Regas is the worst person I watch. Um, I don't
2: even know who that is, honestly. He qualified really
0: based honest. on productivity and... Is
2: he the backup in Buffalo? No, he played... I thought Arkansas, but I wasn't sure.
0: He was He was a backup. He's Louisiana. He he's was actually li-
2: with... See, I know nothing. He's actually with Eliza Mitchell. He is
0: with Eliza Mitchell. Um, and for the pros for Trey Regas, I had nothing. There's one run where he looked fast, maybe. <laughs> Um, That's terrible. Why are we talking? And about for that? cons, I said he might be running blindfolded half the time.
1: <laughs> so he's a Caleb Elijah. Yeah, all he's, right, he's done. So, all right, just like Elijah Mitchell, just like the running backs. I think I'm ready to. If I can, I'm going
0: to give a couple names here real quick.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Dion Jackson.
2: Don't know who it is.
0: That's fine. I won't go. On. I could go he's, into the spiel about it. I won't. Right he's
2: so offended right
1: now.
0: I'm not. I'm not really offended <laughs> by so it. So Dion Jackson Eddie profiled Ray Ray well at Ray Ray uh, Ray. Duke, I believe. I think. he um, Just
3: made that guy up, Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even Dandy
0: real, Hooper. Danny Hooper. Hooper. No, it it it, it, it was Hooper. it was it was Duke. Khalil Herbert is a guy people are biting on a lot. I actually like. I like Khalil's film a lot. Uh, Jake Funk out of Maryland's a guy who was hurt. I like heard. The, I
2: heard about him. I heard about him. People are, sli- you know, he's a big sleeper. Uh, but yeah, because Clint, his
0: athletic profile is freaking insane. And Clint then
2: Herbert, I went to. I went to middle school with his brother.
0: Nice, and then a.
1: Fucking people, do you know?
2: A lot of people went to American Heritage. Look Apparently. it up. There's like eight people in like the top two rounds of this draft that went to American Heritage, and it, then, it's. Um, I, I live in Florida. We recruit football talent. That's fair.
0: Small school guy Jaquan Hardy, and Jaquan Hardy is a guy that I like small school wise. So, again, just a couple names. Nothing that I'm going to go too into right now. If they get drafted anywhere that either had or or even signed as a UDFA. Anywhere that has any form of opportunity or anywhere that raises eyebrows, we'll discuss them and tune in night one of the NFL draft where they won't be drafted and we don't have to discuss them. So never mind. Um But when we get into the recap episodes, if, there, if there's any form of draft capital or these UDFAs land anywhere that um, has a little bit of opportunity, we'll discuss them then. But until then, just, uh, you know, names to know. Deion Jackson, Khalil Herbert, Jake Funk, Jake Juan Hardy. Um, not Jarrett Patterson. Sorry, Sam.
1: All right. One last time, Sam, why don't you
2: tell the people where they can find you and your you can find me at uh swagman 95 on Twitter. You can find me at the show FF on Twitter. Uh, I write under 14 Personnel for Fantasy, 4th and John for Eagles, and that's about it at this point.
1: John, tell the people one more time when they can find you and all your work. As Superflex dude on Twitter,
3: host of the Superflex Super Show and mayor of Superflex City. That's kind of it. I mean, I write from, from on occasion For DynastyLeagueFootball.com dot com, you can find my Superflex Dynasty rankings there. Uh, Everyone hates them, but you know, go check them out and see why.
0: Especially (laughs) Stompy.
1: All right, I am Dan. For Chris, we are beer Field podcasts. Thank you for tuning in, Chris. Send us home.
0: Country roads (laughs) take take me home. home. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. We're going to have more people on that I don't think we've actually corralled yet. I will talk reach
1: out to more people.
0: And talk uh, wide receivers and tight ends. So wide receivers and then Kyle Pitts.